Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Fortress Comic News, episode 358. I'm one of your hosts, Chris, alongside my co-host here, Mike. How we doing, Mike? Good, good. We got a special guest this episode, uh, J.L. Collins. We're going to talk about his book, Thistle, which I thoroughly enjoyed, Chris. As did I. Uh, always a huge fantasy fan, so especially when it's a little bit of D&D mixed with a little bit of uh, Lord of the Rings. Can't beat that. So looking forward to talking about that um, later in the episode. Yeah. So Mike, it's been a long week. Oh, yeah. Oh, we're unleashing the beast. That's not a seltzer, everybody. (laughs) That's a that's an adult beverage. Yeah, we're unleashing the beast today. Hell yeah. The alcoholic monsters. I'm actually drinking some Earl Grey tea right now. So I'll I'm offsetting that. (laughs) I'm pretty tired. I had too many. uh, I had too many weed seltzers last night was the problem. Oh, yeah. Those those are my go to's because I I could drink like one of those and I'm done. So, and I don't have a terrible hangover the next day. I'm just a little bit tired. <laughs> so, hopefully, my boss doesn't listen to us. If he does, <laughs> I guess I don't have a job tomorrow. Oh, well. But, um, so, yeah, I have to get drug tested regularly. Right. But we've, uh, we've actually mapped out exactly when they do it. So, I'm just waiting for the next one. <laughs> <laughs> you just got a big, like, like green leaf around around the spot on the calendar. <laughs> this is the day. Well, because uh, I have this little uh, co- like country store that like oh, yeah. literally like minutes from my house. Mm-hmm. Been there since I was a kid, and uh, the guy. It's actually kind of cool. The, um, a guy that worked there. So my brother worked. That was his first job. Was working there. Uh-huh. Guy that worked there with my brother. So around the same age, ended up buying the place. Okay. So I've known the guy forever. Well, that's cool. Long story short, he kept most of the things the same, but one of the things he changed was he added like all these local beers and everything, and yeah, and really making like a craft beer kind of area. And then one day I go in, he's just got weed seltzers, and I'm like, huh, yep. Well, one day I'll try. Uh, when I text you, Mike, and I'm just like, I don't know what dimension I'm in anymore. That's what I know. No, I tried it. Yeah, I. <laughs> I do enjoy it. They're, so there are five milligrams in front of you stoners out there. You probably know how much that is, but it's is enough to like, no, it's not. I mean, if it's your first time, it could be a lot, but it kind of hits you as like you're, you know, you're winding down and then you get tired usually. And, um, and then you don't have a hangover, which is the best part. I, that's why I mean, drinking is, it is so what it is, but I always found, I didn't really enjoy smoking, mm. mm-hmm. but I did love getting a good, like edible. Yeah. And now that it's like, I mean, it's legal here. Uh, you can, I can have it delivered to my house here in Schenectady, which is kind of strange. But yeah. <laughs> it's like, wow, the drug dealers deliver to you now. It's kind of strange. Yeah, uh, you used to have to go over and like pretend to be friends with them. Yeah, and like <laughs> you know, make small talk. Like, oh, how's the weather? Okay, can I buy some weed? Um, but anyways, but here we are. Let me veer the conversation in a complete 180, Mike. Okay. Can you do um, it? Uh, I don't know if you picked up this month's co- uh, version of Time Magazine. No, I did not, but that's uh, Bulbasaur on the front. Did they do different Pokemon? As There's four clock? covers. There's Bulbasaur. I knew it. I knew it. Um, it's the three starters. So Bulbasaur, Squirtle, Charmander, and then, of yep. course, Pikachu. Yeah. Um, but, Mike, 
I didn't know this. I saw it and I was just like, oh, Bulbasaur. Yeah. I'll buy that because I'll put it on the wall next to all my Bulbasaur stuff. Yeah. Can you guess how much this Time Magazine costs in the year of our Lord 2024? Uh, to be honest, the only I don't know. I know I see the magazine section at Barnes & Noble. I don't go there. Uh, I would say, okay, hold on. Six dollars. Six to eight dollars. Double. No Fifteen dollars. Fifteen dollars. People are paying that for a magazine. So I just grabbed it and was like, and I bought a few other things and uh, threw it on the down. I saw it get scanned as it's going by because it's at a grocery store. Uh-huh. And I'm just like, are you what? $15 for a magazine? <laughs> Is it because it's special edition? Or they're always $15. I don't know. But now uh, next month I will be going to look to see if a time magazine always costs that because that's crazy. Man. Shit. That's wild. Yeah. I, and and magazines are always like, oh, I'd read it and throw it out, unless you did collect like all those National Geographics, like some people did. But well, a very interesting research topic. Sometime, excuse me, if you're ever interested, is to look into what the magazine industry is today. Mm-hmm. And it's it's these specialized magazines. Like, there's no longer nobody is subscribed to Time Magazine anymore to get their news. Why right. would they? Right. You know. Yeah. Just, uh, so yeah. they have to come out with these specialized ones. So that's why when you go to the store, you see all mm-hmm. the magazines are like the Star Wars magazine or yeah, the, the right. Beginner's Guide to Manga or whatever yeah. it is. And people are like, oh, shit, I need that. And that's how they survive is yeah. by like in, like this. Somebody just walking up and be like, ooh, Bulbasaur. <laughs> Bulbasaur mine. Yeah. Or some child in a cart is like, Pikachu. And then they get it in the cart and the parents like, $15. What the fuck? Exactly. Yeah, you but, little bastard. All right. That, that, yeah, that bad boy's getting framed, put next to all my Bulbasaur toys. Yeah, so. I mean, you got to do it. You got to spend yeah. the money for the Bulbasaur. Um, that's awesome. I mean, that's awesome they did Bulbasaur. That's not awesome they charged 15 bucks for... It's crazy you could buy, like, two I'll volumes of manga for that price. Almost. Well, I was just talking to my father, because my nephew has gotten really into manga. Yeah. And, like, he's shown interest in comics, so we're going nice. to nurture that. All right. Okay. Uh, but don't push it too much. You no, know, no, no, but him away. I'm having him at the house next week. Uh-huh. To come hang out. And uh, one of the things he said was like, I want to look through your comic collection. I was like, oh, oh yeah. nice. yes, That's you awesome. do. That is awesome. That's what you want. <laughs> um, But anyways, so his birthday's coming up and he's really into one piece. And okay. my father was just like, yeah, I wanted to buy him some of those. <laughs> those Japanese comic books he's reading. As Japanese, my father yep. puts it. Uh huh. And I was going. He's through not them. wrong. No, that's what they are. Yeah. Uh, but I was going through how to buy them and everything because he was like, "Yeah, I heard it's like a thousand dollars to get the whole collect, uh, the whole uh, story and everything." I was like, yeah. "Yeah, but like you're talking about hundreds of volumes of comics." Yeah, he's not going to read all of those in a sitting. No. So, uh, long story short, I was like, "Buy these three in ones," and I'm going to buy a few too. So we're like going in together on this. Yeah. Buy these three in ones. It's three volumes. And it's mm-hmm. like anywhere from twelve to fifteen dollars, as opposed to buying one volume for ten dollars. Right. right. So yes, you're you can buy three volumes of manga for what I just paid for that stupid fucking magazine. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> stupid, but I'm gonna frame it. I'll frame the <laughs> fuck out of it. But it's stupid. <laughs> oh man. All right. Let's let's jump into it. We got some stuff to talk about. Uh yes, we I will talk about the last airbender. I'm about three or four episodes in. I, I'm really enjoying it. I've actually watched the first and second episode a couple times just to watch it with some other people. 
I think it, right now it's sitting at a 75% on Rotten Tomatoes, which is, I think, for a TV show, especially a cartoon adaptation, that's that's fairly good, I would say. 75% mm-hmm. is fairly good. Um, my main takeaways, the casting, uh, the casting is, like, spot on for the, the cartoon um, characters. Uh, and to me, so, like, the cartoon, they're, like, 20-minute episodes, so these are about 45 minutes to an hour live action and it almost seems like they're doing two to three episodes per single live action episode i almost i almost wonder if we're gonna get through the whole first season with this first season like the first book the water um the water chapter or the first volume there um yeah really good the cgi is great and if i had to describe it chris so like the cool part about it is like each each kingdom so like we get to the earth kingdom and they're they're more like um they're all different like divisions of asia almost of like okay the fire nation's probably more like eastern asian uh the the earth nation seems to be more like uh like like india um and then like you have um like the uh the air temple is probably more like uh, Thailand and and stuff like that. So, but they all have different uh, divisions of how they fight. Like the air, the Airbenders do like Tai Chi. The Firebenders do like straight Kung Fu. Um, it's really cool stuff. And and uh, oh, the Water Tribes are more like uh, I would say more like the nomadic tribes of like um, Alaska, things like that. Like those native people. So it's really cool the way. And, and they had some actors talking about it, like um, uh, Asian American and Pacific Islander uh, uh, actors. And they said this was like a huge moment for them because this is probably the most they've had casted for like a single project. Um, and it's amazing. Like the actors are, it's crazy how they fa- they found so many like people that are spitting images of like the, uh, um, the cartoon. So it's fun. There's highs and lows as far as like depressing moments, happy moments. And uh, yeah, I mean, I'm certainly not the biggest Avatar fan, but for me, as someone who loves Kung Fu cinema, like Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, that's the style of fighting you're seeing with using the elements and things. It's awesome. Yeah, it's 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 a lot of fun. Yeah, I've heard nothing but good things, so I want to get into it, but I'm mm-hmm. busy, busy week, so I think oh, yeah. check it yeah. out. And they released the whole season at once, which Netflix hasn't really been doing so often. So that's kind of nice. Um, it's like they pick and choose which projects to do that with. I feel like. I think the standard is still to do it all at once, but they're playing around with the weekly. Yeah, I think they're having trouble keeping people in between mm-hmm. seasons, and now like eight, between HBO and uh, Amazon, and even in Disney, they've kind of proven that it's better to do it weekly because you can rile people in yeah mm-hmm. um for a longer haul and for me personally i prefer it i mean yeah. selfishly because then we get to talk about an episode every week as opposed to a whole season at once yeah for me i want to see it all right away. yeah but i i mean i fairly i very rarely get to sit down and watch eight episodes in a row anymore so yeah <laughs> that doesn't happen much but no I'm, I'm really enjoying it and i know there's some like people saying oh the cgi is bad blah 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 listen if you're an avatar fan if you're a kung fu fan uh if you yeah i would just just watch it watch it and enjoy it you know there's always going to be people that are um and if you don't believe me rotten tomatoes gave it a pretty good score so i would i would agree with like an eight out of ten so there's 75 percent uh yeah 
Yeah, my, I mean, a lot. And the interesting thing, they pulled a lot of the filler out of the episodes. So there's always like these little conflicts happening in between the episodes and the cartoon. Um, they they kind of do away with that, which I didn't really care for when I was watching the cartoon, which I like that they do that. And Chris, if you're an Avatar fan, you'll get this. But the, the cabbage, I'm not. the cabbage salesman shows up and they do like a fan service for that. So when they go to the Earth Kingdom, there's a guy. So if there's a running joke. There's this cabbage salesman that like has a cart and they start in the Earth Kingdom. They like knock over his cabbages and he's like, my cabbages like through the whole series. So like mm-hmm. as they go to different cities, he like moves because they like fuck up his cart of cabbages every <laughs> city. So like every city they go to, they they run into this guy and destroy his cabbages and he just gets so mad every time. Um, and it's even better because when they do the next series, which is like uh, 40 or 50 years after the original series, when they do the, um, is that the, the Cora one? Yeah. The Cora show. There's a whole like conglomerate of like cabbage sales distributors. <laughs> he like finally made it big. That's like the joke. But the episode where they reveal him, they show him a couple times, like they fuck with his cabbage cart, and he's like, he's like, he's like, you're gonna not, he's like, you're gonna, you know, destroy my. And then like we see him a third time because they like set his cabbage cart on fire, and he like they zoom in on his face, and he's like screaming, "My cabbages!" And like you know they did it for the fans because yeah. you're like pointing him out in every scene. You're like, is he gonna show up? Is he gonna show up? So they do a lot of fun stuff like that if you're a fan of the cartoon, which is awesome. So cool. Um, yeah, I look forward to checking it out. Yeah. Anyways, I know you watch Delicious and Dungeons, so you can talk about that because I, I still got to watch that. Yeah, so we get a flashback to um, the elves kind of when she was in magic school, basically. Mm, okay. And how she fell in love with the idea of like going through dungeons mm. or, and how she got connected with the group. So it's kind of her origin story. Okay. And that's when she first kind of discovers that there's food in the dungeon because she eats raspberries. And then we go back to the present where she gets in this big fight with this, like this magical being that shoots water at her, but shoots it so fast that it's like a bullet. Hmm. And I'm zoning on what that being was called, but uh, they end up running away from it and finding a place to uh, hang out. Why is GameStop calling me? I don't know. Uh, and she's all so she's all like beaten up. She's been shot a few times and by the water, they, the water bullets. Yeah, by the water bullets. <laughs> and they're able to like get the blood to stop, the clot and everything, and like get her so she could rest and all that. And of course, it wouldn't be delicious in dungeon without like a big recipe. So right. their big idea to like help her heal is to barbecue. And they make Kelpie nice. Yaniku, I think it okay. was called. And it's basically just like if you've ever seen a barbecue where they take a big dish mm-hmm. and they put the veggies in the middle and then put a bunch of different meats around it. Yeah, it was that. So it was like tenderloins from this animal and like tail mm. from this animal and so on. And so forth. Uh, like Korean barbecue style almost. Yeah. 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 Almost. Okay. Yeah. That's cool. And that's the big food. And then nice. uh, kind of the cliffhanger is that another group is coming down. Because where they stayed was in this big tower. Yep. And another group is coming down the winding stairs and they can smell barbecue. <laughs> and so they're like, <laughs> they're like, who would barbecue in the dungeon? Yeah. And yeah. Goes the credits. Nice. Yeah. Uh, like another, it's a fun episode. The origin story was a bit more serious. 
-hmm. in nature. Yep. So it did kind of take away from the overall feeling of it, but I did like how she gets connected to the group through the main uh, fighter's sister, who they're all trying to save right now. So it gives right. her that like big connection to the sister and mm -hmm. why she's so keen on saving her. Okay, that's cool. And uh, also deals a little bit with uh, how all the different party members treat her a little bit differently because she is the only woman in the group. Mm -hmm. So it does deal with some of those dynamics as well. Interesting. That's yeah. Cool. A lot of, a lot of cool stuff going on this episode. So a little nice. bit more serious, but it's still a really good episode. Awesome. Yeah. yeah I can't wait to watch it. Uh, we had some news hitting this week. Cause I, I think they sat down to the first table read for Superman legacy. So I've seen a lot of Instagram photos and stuff from the actors. Um, but yeah, James Gunn confirmed that Superman Legacy has begun filming. I think he said that they've done some test shots, so maybe we'll see, maybe we'll see a costume reveal. Um, I'm kind of interested if they're going to confirm that, like, they the actors posted like their name plates um, for doing the table read and the symbol. I think we talked about it before. The symbol is kind of like a Kingdom Come style S, mm -hmm. not necessarily meaning they're going to do a Kingdom Come story but i do think like a, a different s would be kind of cool to like show that okay this is like you know the start of a new superman i think it'd be cool if they did like a twist on it um but i am interested to see where they go with the suit and uh and then we got uh but you go ahead i was gonna say i think with the suit you you stay classic yeah but the symbol is where yeah. you make your mark right and that's, that's what yeah. batman's always done right right uh, yeah. is while the suits do kind of shift throughout the different movies, like we go yep. from Keaton's rubber not being able to move his neck Batman to <laughs> yeah, like right. Pattinson's very tactical style. Yeah. The suit itself is still that iconic Batman throughout right. it. Yeah. It's the symbol that really shines. So. Yeah. So if they change the symbol up, I wouldn't be too upset with it. I think that'd be kind of cool. I, yeah. It's fine to change Superman symbol. In my opinion, yeah. like there is that classic, s that they've used in the cartoon and right. obviously in the comics throughout the years but they've even shifted it in the comics and different variations right and i do think there's a way to do it that like i i mean henry cavill's for instance henry cavill's s is different from the comics right. but still has enough classic superman in it while they, still being yeah, kind of modern was an s yeah yeah so, we'll so see. yeah I'm, I'm excited for it um you know, James Gunn is very open with what he's doing. So hopefully we get to see at least a tease or a picture of it would be cool. Yeah, we got the cast selfie that they put out. Yeah, so that was cool. And um, to anyone who doesn't know, we're recording this on Sunday. It comes out on Wednesday. Yep. So while we're talking, they're going to be filming tomorrow. Mm -hmm. So I wouldn't be shocked by the end of the week if we get, even if it's just leaks, people like sneaking on the... Yeah. Because it happens with Marvel all the time. I mean, dude, they were... People were posting pictures on the um, there's a, a leak subreddit for DC. Mm -hmm. And I mean, people were like taking snapping pictures of uh, the Lex Luthor actor walking through the airport. They're like, he has no hair. <laughs> like, I'm like, people are crazy about this. I mean, I love it. I, I eat that oh. shit up. But I'm like, you got people like, look, he has no hair. He's got a shaved head. <laughs> well, after Snyder's, I mean, oh, yeah, that is kind of a big deal. Like, why yeah. would you put a Luthor on screen with hair? Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then we had the deadline report that DC Films has cast Sean Gunn as its new Maxwell Lord. You know, good for Sean Gunn. We really, I, I mean, I liked him in uh, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, mm -hmm. but I haven't seen him do like a a really, I, I always pictured 
Maxwell Lord as like this clean cut, you know, super like, well, we already had him, right? Uh, Pedro Pascal played him. Yeah. So that's how you, that's how I've always pictured him. Uh, depending on where they're going with this casting, like how they're going to treat the character. We'll see, I guess. Yeah. I thought Pedro Pascal was perfect casting. It was just right. a bad movie. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, and Sean Gunn seems like his look, even like uh, James Gunn at that. Yeah. Like they have more of an everyman look. Like right. they look like the type of dude I would see at the bar. Right. And, and strike a conversation with. Right. Uh, not a Hollywood actor. So right. it is. Or a billionaire, Max Lord. Yeah. 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 So it'll be interesting to see how they pull it off. But unless they treat Max Lord as like a, like a come in once in a while character. You know, I wonder if he's going to be. He'll probably be the step that leads to the Thanos, if that makes sense. Like he will be the Loki that leads to. So Loki was the character that brought the Avengers together. Yeah. That led to Thanos. Yeah. Like, I think that's his role. Like he will Mm -hmm. pop up a few times and then he won't be the thing that brings the Justice League together, but like he'll pop up and then be a part of some movie. If anything, I mean, if, if they keep the continuity, like he creates the Omax and then the Omax like take over civilians. And that's the whole thing is like, they can't fight the Omax because there's civilians inside them and stuff like that. So, so maybe it could be what brings the justice league together. So yeah, yeah, that could be it too. But yeah, I think he'll pop up a few times and then be a big bad somewhere, whether it's a Mm -hmm. justice league movie or something else. Yeah. Um, Yeah. It'll be interesting to just see how they do it. Yeah. I'm excited. We're just getting news again. So that's always fun. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm really glad really quick before we jump to the interview. Uh, it was really funny. Pedro Pascal, the SAG, the SAG Afro awards were this weekend and uh, Pedro won for like best actor for um, last of us. Mm-hmm. And he was uh, up against all these other people for succession. That really good show. I haven't watched it yet. And he got up on stage and he was like, well, I, uh, He's like, this is bad. He's like, I got really drunk because I didn't think I was going to win. <laughs> and he's like, I'm going to go backstage and have a panic attack now. But you got to watch his speech. It was pretty hilarious because he was like, I did not expect to win. Uh, I got really drunk because I thought I could. <laughs> it's really funny. That dude, I like him because he seems like he seems like the guy that was always kind of the the second or third on the cast. Like, yeah. And he was never the dude. star. Right. Right. And so he had kind of this like blue collar mentality to how he treated Hollywood. Yeah. And then one day just became this big thing. Yeah. And he's, I think I mean, he's got to be what in his forties. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. so he's continued that. And what, what I like about that, and this is what I always say with like, if you're rich or you're famous or whatever, I don't want to hear you complain. Just right. show, just have fun and right. make me believe that it's fun to be rich and famous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, I want to believe. Give that. me a bright light to look forward to that yeah. I'll never see. Right, right. And uh, Pedro Pascal is one hundred percent that guy. He just seems like such a down to earth dude. That yeah. Um, but all right, everybody, we're gonna jump to this interview with JL Collins. We're gonna talk about Thistle, and we'll see you all on the other side. All right, everybody, we've got three very special guests for you all this week. Want everybody to welcome to the show, J.L. Collins, or Jason Collins, uh, Jay Sheik, and Leyland Bjerg. Welcome to the show, everybody. Thanks, Thanks, for having you. Thanks, Mike. Thanks for having us. 
Yeah, I'm uh, I'm super proud of Chris for getting the names right because that was three in a <laughs> row. The pressure was on. You've come a long way, dude. I mean, 300 plus episodes. I'm happy. I'm happy you got it. I know. I've already unleashed the beast today, so you'd think I'd be starving. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, they're not real monsters. Those are the alcoholic monsters. So, I'm, yeah, I'm rooting for you. But, no, thanks for being here, guys. Um, I know we're both really excited to talk about Thistle. Uh, as we're recording, it will be out tomorrow on Kickstarter. So um, that's really cool. Uh, thanks, thanks ahead of time for that uh, for sending the review copy. Um, and you know, Chris and I don't get to read all the review copies we get, but I saw that one and I was like, okay, I'm I'm really big into fantasy, um, and we could talk about that too in regards to the book. But uh, I really enjoyed it. I know we have some questions for you, but. I guess, I mean, our first time guests, we always do some sort of origin story, that kind of thing. But uh, I, I don't know if you guys want to just tackle the question of, you know, how it came about. You you all started working on this project together, um, where this idea came for Thistle and this awesome story about a necromancer. I don't know where we start, if it's JL or anybody else. But. Sure. No, I, I appreciate that, Mike. Yeah. Uh, the the short. I'll try and make the short, short answer in the interest of time and to give uh, my team uh, all the time to talk. But uh, in 2020, I was working from home during the pandemic. And in doing so, I got to catch uh, Gail Simone's comic school event that she ran on the site formerly known as Twitter, mm. encouraging amateur comic creators, uh, writers, and so forth to basically write an eight-page script and it was sort of an exercise in writing outside your comfort zone, writing something different, you would literally roll the dice and you would have a genre list and you'd choose a genre from the list. And when I did that, I rolled and I got horror. And I'm like, well, horror is not my first choice of a genre, but this is the whole point of the exercise. I wasn't have I wasn't regularly writing comics at this point. I was I just just kind of rediscovered it again as, as, as something that I wanted to do. I'd taken a, a long hiatus, which just happens due to life. And... Uh, then she threw a twist saying, okay, we'll roll a second time if you wish and add a second genre if you wish. I rolled a second time and I got fantasy, horror fantasy. It came to me within moments of, of getting that where I'm like an elf behind enemy lines fighting the undead alone. And that I just ran with that. And it was, it was the, the excitement was immediate from there. And that was the genesis of what Thistle eventually became. Um, after completing that script, eight pages as an exercise, and, and part of it was because Gail had generously said she would do her best to try and read everyone's stories. You wouldn't get individual feedback, but it was the idea that somebody that um, that you sort of can respect in the industry, and that's somebody who's doing her very best to to encourage and and support, uh, you know, all the upcoming creators uh, to say that th that they would take a moment to maybe look over your work was was a huge incentive. And so, in doing so, it was um, it was the motivation I needed to kind of just get that going again. And then from there, it was like, okay, well, you've got an eight-page script, smart guy, but are you actually going to try and create a comic from it? And by this point, I had met and, and sort of connected with Leland, and we were starting to collaborate on ideas and just and just uh, just crunching uh, in weekly workshops our, our comics and our scripts and such. And I said, okay, I'm going to turn this eight-page into a full-length uh, comic script. And I did so, and then I needed an artist. And then it was back to the site formerly known as Twitter uh, to search our amazing comic community, which is how I found Jay. Uh, and uh, basically pitched him cold and said, listen, man, I got an idea for a fantasy comic. You don't know me. Here's my idea. Here's what I want to do. Are you in or out? And he's like, I'm in. <laughs> and, then, yeah. and then we were off to the races at that point. And they can they can fill it in from their perspective on, on that side. But uh, it was um, it was just something that came from a writing exercise that became a story that became a comic. And so I'm really proud of that. That's awesome. Yeah, so I guess we'll just go down the line. Jay, what was your experience uh, getting involved? Because I know Chris and I had talked about the art quite a bit and that being such a, a huge part of why we enjoyed the book so um i'm glad you enjoyed it um yeah it, it's um 
uh, jail nailed it with that the the site formerly known as twitter um i that's even to this day um was responsible for a huge amount of the opportunities that i got for for paid and commercial work uh, and yeah i saw fantasy and horror in the body of the email without even necessarily reading the the connecting <laughs> sentences tied it all together i didn't really feel equipped to say no um and you know we've gone through some different iterations of the story and it, it's allowed a lot of it to evolve uh, around the character and other characters and really the world itself. So it's been um, kind of a long time coming, but it's been a lot of fun uh, to visually explore that with this team. Uh, yeah, and I, I wanted to say just a, just about the art in general. Um, I would say we, we typically notice these things for, for general comics. I mean, not the typical like panel breakup for page, but I would say you have an interesting approach to um, for not to spoil anything too much for the book, but there are some pages in there, not even just action shots, like kind of when you're introducing characters and thing where things where you kind of play with the the size of the page um, and how the panels kind of cross with each other. Some, some action shots with like arrows flying and stuff like that. Mm. Uh, was that kind of like a collaboration between everybody? Was that just you making your own thing, Jay, or how did that come about? Um, I think most of it was kind of playing around with what was there. Uh, I'm, mm some specific ones i i'm a big proponent for composition um mm -hmm. panel and pitch. uh yep. you know I, I study a lot of darwin cook uh david mazzucchelli is another uh guys that just really have their their composition dialed in uh and with the i teach art at a junior college and that's one thing i'm, I'm always impressing on my drawing students is you know while you're rendering and your ability to actually draw things is um catching up to you work on composition because it's an area where you can put in a little bit of study and reap huge rewards. And I'm, uh, I try to be as aware as I can of that interpanel, um, those kinds of relationships and directional energies that I can create to lead the eye from one place to another and uh, in and through uh, to create a, a smooth and intuitive reading experience. Um, yeah. And I, I, I think one of the, um, one of the pages specifically is, you know, like kind of the final battle that we get with like the mm -hmm. necromancer and stuff like that was a really, really cool sequence. Um, and don't, and, don't let Jay uh, overcomplicate it with flowery talk of yeah. composition and such. <laughs> right. he, he literally is a problem solver because there were uh, there are pages in the script that I sent him that was very fun to write and was not easy or maybe not even possible to draw the way that I had written it originally. And so he mm -hmm. came back to the table. He didn't just say, no, this doesn't work. Let's redo it. He's like, okay, let me think on this for a moment. And then he came back with some of those non-standard or really creative, uh, you know, panel breakdowns that you, that you're talking about. Right. Um, and he fixed problems that I didn't realize were problems until he brought it up on the page. And then I'm like, wow, what a, what an elegant solution. So he's, he's mm -hmm. an excellent problem solver on top of just being an excellent artist. Yeah. Yeah. And, I just want to jump in real quick because this will actually kind of bridge over to Leland. But I thought the the one page that the panels were kind of diagonal and almost triangular. Mm -hmm. And mm. the way it flows along with the lettering could have been very complicated and confusing. But I think the two of you came together really well and created this page that flowed so nicely yeah while being very unique and that was the one thing that really stood out to me in that and that page in particular was just like 
I love this unique paneling along with the lettering, bringing everything together and really helping me through the page and flow without being like, wait, do I go here or here? Or nope, you just go straight through it, like almost mm -hmm. like an S, just yep. bam. Yep. Yeah. And Leland's wonderful. Uh, he, he letters my uh, my solo book, Kushron, and and there's some pages in there where I, I feel like the art was okay, but the, the lettering complete, completes it. I don't say it complements mm -hmm. it. it. It it was the missing aspect, uh, and it, it's it's not just the the verbiage that you read. It it's part. Of, it really becomes part of the art. Yeah, yeah. And I I guess Leland, you could talk about that a little more because I've my with my uh, experience working with a letterer, it's like I can't visualize that until I see it on a page, and the the work that gets done, it's like wow, that's way better than I would ever expected. So. I mean, there is there is a skill to doing that and making sure that it flows through the page. So I guess you could talk about how you got involved with that and and uh, uh, yeah, lettering um, is is you. I don't know you you have to. I feel like there's a certain personality type which is probably just anal retentive that yeah. makes makes you a good letterer. Like mm -hmm. actually, like right now, I'm looking at my screen here and noticing I'm the only one with my, I'm you got my phone in vertical orientation. It's really bothering me. Yeah, that's, a great that's, example. that's total letterer right there. Yeah. Uh, letterer, letterer brain. Um, so yeah, that's, you know, you need to be, you need to be the most annoyed, right? You need to be in the top, in the 99th percentile of, yes. of um, being bothered by inconsistencies and patterns and stuff like that. That really helps um, make good lettering. Um, and yeah, it's the, to just jump back to the origin story thing for a minute. Um, it's very cool because Jason and I basically simultaneously collaborated with, with Jay independently. Mm -hmm. So as, as Jason was, was getting in touch with Jay to do, uh, Thistle, um, I had, a, I had an editing job on a book called Hallowed North that Jay was also drawing. And so, yeah, it was this funny sort of small world, uh, you know, Twitter comics community thing where we're all, we're all, you know, this like, oh, this is, this community is, it might be global, but it's, it's much smaller than, uh, There's a lot of crossover. Think it is. Um, yeah. so yeah, I got to, I got to do some work with, uh, with Jay there. And then, yeah, we started, we did some shorts, we did some shorts together and then yeah, Thistle, Hush Ronin, like it's very nice because uh, Jay's art is incredible, um, but he works, you know, I've, I've talked about this in interviews before. He works, he, use, he uses softer brushes than a lot of other comics artists. Mm -hmm. And it can, it, it was at first, it was a challenge to kind of match his art. I really, uh, that's something I really care about as a letterer is to try to at least get as close to the artist style as I can so that the, the lettering feels like it belongs. That's that's the thing that irks me when you have like a painterly style and then you just have these vector balloons slap down on mm -hmm. top of it. And it's like, yep. oh, this the lettering is from another world. Um, so yeah, that was that was a challenge at first to kind of get in the groove. Um, but now I've, I've lettered 150, 200 pages of, uh, we're getting up there now of, of Jay's art and it's like, it feels good. Um, I'm, yeah, and I'm, you know, yeah, it, it's like, it's really cool to have an ongoing collaborator with which it's yeah. like, oh, we have like a rapport. Right, um, yeah, the history there, yeah, the experience. 
I always feel bad for letters a little bit because I always I always say like they're the unsung hero of comics because when they're bad, we all notice. But when <laughs> yeah. you do your job, yeah, you just it, oh it, yeah. it flows it, it flows really is. nicely. Yeah, yeah. There's that <laughs> unless you're yeah. really paying attention, which that one page I was talking about earlier in particular was one where I was just like, hot damn, like yep. the artist and the letter came together in this page to really make something. Yeah. That was cool and flowed yeah. really well. But uh, yeah. yeah, nice. Thank you. Yeah, that that page was a, that was a ton of fun. Like, yeah, that's, and I'll, that's... I'll sing I'll sing Leland's praises just like you did for Jay. So Leland pays attention to that and that flow piece, like you say, is it some? It's a, it's a skill that you develop, and mm -hmm. it's not something that happens automatically. And it's not something that every letterer has instinctively, right? And so I talked about how we, you know, and we still to this day try and meet if it's not weekly then monthly workshops or whatever current project we're working on we're working on those mm -hmm. things and we're getting feedback from our each other and a couple other people in our workshop group about things like page layout about how the lettering is looking is it flowing does it make sense so we we study that just as much as we study the script just as much as we examine the art and, and the panel com composition and so uh, Leland's an excellent uh, writer in his own right. Uh, and so storytelling is is as much part of his uh, skill set as just doing the lettering mm -hmm. itself. So Leland understands the the whole purpose of the page, and that comes through with with his lettering. And so the fact that you were immediately able to follow that page with the unusual layout, which was Jay fixing a problem that I introduced, not realizing I had done so, and then Leland just essentially just you know putting the the finishing touches on what was already a beautiful piece of art, um, and it just came together. But that's due to that purposefulness in really wanting to make sure that the, the entire experience is is cohesive and Leland like like he says is is, is addicted to detail and he uh, doesn't just take for granted that it's enough just to put the, the word balloon on and just move on right and get, get it done get it done by a certain time it's like does it actually make sense does the reader does this make sense to a reader and do I like it does it actually look like it fits with the art um and, and one more one more thing to see sing uh, Leland's praises here um the what I also notice with lettering as well as the, you know, your sound effects and stuff like that. I'd say you have uh, a way of incorporating, I, not, I would say either the material or the action within that of like you, like, uh, like an ax being thrown or like you have a spiraling and then the, um, there's a few interactions going on. I'm not, I'm not trying to give away too much of the book because we want everybody to go read it and, you know, back the book, but like, even just like, boots scuffing on the floor things cracking it all has a different style and flair to it which i always do appreciate reading books because that's something i pay attention to more now but um it's it's not just the the boring like giant capitalized letters for everything you know what i mean so i think i think that's a cool approach to have well thanks thanks guys yeah. i'm sorry yeah. I, I feel like we've talked about the lettering enough hey <laughs> yeah all right we never talk about lettering out here i think it's, it's, I think really it's a unique cool. interview yeah it's i i think it's a, a unique interview for us to have everybody here together uh for the project yeah, right on no i mean i yeah. like i love talking about lettering but i'm i'm just like... yeah yeah well to kind of build off what he just said and then Leland, we'll, we'll we'll let you sit in the corner for a little bit, like you know, good letter. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> like your your sound effects, not only like like Mike just said, do they are they really cool and everything? But the way they're built into the art mm -hmm. really make it feel like uh, I'm watch I'm watching a movie and I hear the 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 pluck of the arrow or the splat of the blood. Or you know whatever else is going on, like yeah, right on. it's it's much more unique than just a bam pow 
as much as Mike and I love 60s Batman, like <laughs> it, it's much more than that. It really yeah. does add to the atmosphere of the action sequences and everything. It's yeah. yeah. Part of that, like, like I get, I get some J Jason, I mean, Jason's amazing to collaborate with because he, he knows what he wants when he's, when he's really got a precise vision. And he also, at times he'll kind of lay back and, and be like, Hey, you guys can play here. Mm -hmm. um, and that's, you know, that's always fun to be, to not be, you know, sometimes you've got tight constraints. Sometimes you've got a page like the one we talked about earlier and other times it, it really is like, you know, there'll literally be a note in the script, like letterer, let's come up with a cool, you know, art style for the magic system, you know, letterer, let, like, what, what do you think's a good, you know, what do you think's a good sound for a zombie skull being split open? Uh, so that's, yeah, that's, you know that's fun i get to i get to put a little bit of my of you know my own stamp on things and uh and then we go back and forth and iterate and make something that makes us both super happy and yeah i think that i think that shows and in, in the final product so jason's a step above me who's just like yeah like have fun with it just <laughs> <laughs> yeah the the sound effects are in the script the, most of the sound effects that are there are for the most part in the script except for the ones where leland chose to add something and said let's put this put this here and of course it totally makes sense and then he, and then he's able to do it and to go back to this to that axe throwing scene that you're talking about that was one that Lulu and I specifically worked on because I wanted to have I knew how important it was and Chris you touched on it perfectly which was it makes it cinematic that sound of the axe mm -hmm. cutting the air as, as a throwing axe flies through the air but the page is busy it's a smaller panel you don't have a lot of room to put something in there how do we do that creatively in a way that it just adds to the immersion for the reader, makes it really cool. And then Leland and I workshopped it together and we came up with the sound effect that we used where the sound is smaller, farther away and louder as it gets closer to the reader. And it was just this elegant solution that he was able to just add it to the, to the page in such a way that it perfectly blended in. But it totally was, as Leland said, I had this idea in my mind of what I wanted it to sound like in my head. And then it came to life like that. And so that is also the, the strength of Leland and I's collaboration over a few different books now. And over, or so, over several years, we have a shorthand where we can just quickly throw something back and forth in, in short form messages. And then the next day, it's we, we've got it on the page and, and we're already studying it. It works out. So um, that's my that's my great fortune, which I totally recognize having people like Jay and Leland as my collaborators. Um, yeah, I think and it it really it really pays off in the final product here. I mean, I, I, Chris and I really enjoyed this as being fantasy fans. Um, and my, I mean, my question for Jay is how hard is it to, to draw fire? <laughs> Cause that's, uh, that seems like a tough, a tough thing to do. <laughs> honestly, fire at this point is one of the easier things. Okay. Uh, I, I mean, yeah, it's kind of been a little formulaic, but uh, I, there's a few patterns and things. Uh, and I, I'm always kind of looking to tweak it or improve it a little bit on mm -hmm. observation, like summer barbecues, especially if it's like a, a charcoal yeah. grill. I'll sit there and watch the coals ignite for a little bit and see what's going on. <laughs> you're getting the you're, you're brushing up on it to be like, OK, if I have to set somebody on fire, I know. What to do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I will say, I mean, you have experience. You talked about Hush Ronan, you know, drawing in like a mm -hmm. fantasy realm, I would say. But uh, to me, looking at the art. I mean, it it looks like this is in your wheelhouse. Like I would say, your your art definitely fits this like sword and sorcery fantasy vibe. Um, 
is that something yeah. you've become comfortable with? Like, was that like, okay, not necessarily drawing, you know, Ronins and, and that sort of era, but like these types of characters, was that something you were interested in doing? It felt, it felt right for you or. Yeah, I, I think so. A lot of what I did uh, just early on in uh, learning to draw and illustrate, I was very, very heavy into Lord of the Rings and I mm -hmm. would do my own sort of depictions of like you know, the, uh, the attack on Weathertop with the, the Nazgul, coming in yeah. for the fire and um you know it wasn't it hasn't something i've stuck with consistently throughout the years uh, i did a lot of it early on because i've had a lifelong obsession with swords in fact mm -hmm. i brought a couple of my elven swords with me i've got oh nice yeah and <laughs> uh sting with me today oh that's amazing there you go for reference uh, of course you're not battling anybody at, at absolutely <laughs> you may notice a lot of the swords and this will have a, a hilt very similar to this yeah um, yep it's, mm -hmm. I like that design. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's definitely challenging. Uh, I do a lot of like, um, say more realistic. Uh, I'm working on um, a graphic novel set in 1969 Hollywood. Mm -hmm. uh, and sometimes those pages just breeze right by as far as being able to put them together and compose them because they're just kind of pedestrian everyday elements, people in regular clothes, believable real settings. Uh, and a fantasy setting, you know, the, the characters are anthropomorphic, but everything else is is very exotic. Uh, you know, the the armor, the the clothing has a lot of different details that, you know, you just don't necessarily draw every day. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, it's it, definitely getting a lot more comfortable. Yeah, I I thought personally what stood out to me throughout the book was we had basically three distinct areas we were in throughout mm -hmm. the book. Uh, at yep. the beginning, in this kind of cave between, almost almost felt like it was between realms, almost like we were sitting at the table setting up for the adventure. The if we're playing D and D or something, yeah, exactly. That's what. And it, it was like very yep. simple but dark and dreary, and uh, maybe a lot of that goes to the colorists for how that's set up. But then, in the next area, we're kind of in this post battle sequence where everything's been kind of knocked down and there's not a ton of background. So you're able to focus on the characters and what's going on. And you start to think like, okay, the artist is really focused on the characters and, and the moment here and, and what's going on. But then we're sucked into this other area as the story progresses. That's very in the woods. And you've got this cool temple in the background, one of the panels and you've got, this uh, mountainside that has vines going down it and you get really intricate with the background. Yep. Yep. So I, I guess one, I'm just gushing about the backgrounds, but <laughs> how, how was it going through the different terrains here and thinking like, I got to do more or different things with these different backgrounds and how much went into that for you? Uh, quite a lot of thought. The, there's the, the cave, like you, you said that, that, I don't say like I'm always looking for an opportunity to to fudge things or make it easier for myself, but I'm always looking for an opportunity to fudge things or make it easier for myself. Uh, <laughs> um, and like the the cave and the shadows, it, you know, it allowed for a lot of uh, like chiaroscuro, like moody uh, lighting and all of that, which was was fun. And then the jungle is when I I kind of um, if I hit any obstacles, that that's where it was at. Uh, because it comes down to you know the details and and how much you know like 
hanging vines? How detailed am I going to get on the canopy as far as individual leaves? Am I going to show a few kind of in foreground and then just fade it out to these like larger organic shapes moving into the background? Uh, you know, as it transitions into the the more devastated landscapes, that becomes a lot easier. Everything's torched. It's just a matter of how many tree stumps to put and where, or, um, where to put, you know, a, a charred body or something. <laughs> um, uh, and then, you know, moving back into the jungle, I think having, having gotten to working on it in sequence, basically page for page, I, I worked, you know, just straight through page one to, to page done. Um, having the early experiences in the jungle really helped make the the later um, sort of return under the the forest canopy uh, a lot stronger than I think it might have been if I had been working out of order or if there hadn't been uh, a previous setup with with similar backgrounds. Mm -hmm. uh, and and yeah. just to just to expand on our colorist, so our colorist is W K Sahadiwa uh, Warnia Sahadiwa. She's a colorist based out of Indonesia. Uh, she's done work for several different smaller publishers. Uh, she's got a, a great uh, backlog, uh, a backlog of work as well. Um, but she was also a bit of a um, dark horse because I had to do a sort of an open call for colorists, and I tried out a few colorists before uh, meeting uh, Nia. And um, she ended up being a referral from another colorist who had to pass on the project due to their schedule. But they said you should talk to this colorist, she's excellent. And so it was a bit of a blind shot. I just had her do some test pages. But ironically, what you're speaking to in terms of the the, the, the jungle, the one of the test pages was one of the jungle shots because I knew how important it would be to have mm -hmm. that brightness and that contrast and then also lighting. And so lighting was something that was hugely important. And another one that not every colorist sometimes has it as their, as their, uh, one of their key focuses when they're thinking about how they color the page right. um, and uh, Nia's work and Leland and I have talked about this Nia's work literally got stronger as the book went on because mm -hmm. we both talk about uh, the fact that, that Jay's art is not easy to color he just spoke a moment ago about how much detail is too much detail how much time is he going to spend on this the book is gorgeous you can you can see that reflected in the art but now it's the colorist task to to then you know bring that to life and to breathe into it and it just gets better and better as, as, as she spent more and more time on the book. So we're super fortunate that way as well. And that we um, didn't start off with the same collaborative history with our colorists that we did with the three of us. Um, but she's done a phenomenal job and, and we're really, we're really happy that she got to be part of the project. Yeah. It's a, unfortunate she's not here because we could gush about her as well. Yeah. Because... I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, guys. I'm my, I'm dying. I... Oh no. Oh, I think we're losing Leland. <laughs> oh, I think. I think you meant if his phone was dying. <laughs> maybe, maybe. So okay. we're gonna go ahead and drop Leland here for a second. Yeah. If he, uh... He'll be he'll be forever immortalized with that yes. photo. Oh, okay. That's right. <laughs> well, now, now he'll be happy with a more even panel distribution. So um, <laughs> that's right. But yeah. I was just gonna say uh, her colors throughout it. Like you're, I think you're correct in that they get better and better as they go along. But so yeah, I was just saying after this amazing cut that I just did with the magic of editing. Seamless. Um, Seamless. Yeah, Seamless. nobody, nobody even noticed. I should. Why did I even bring it up? Nobody yeah, noticed. Nobody uh, even noticed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, Jason, like, I really hope I'm not spoiling too much, but there's. It's unfortunate the colorist isn't here because I love the the coloring throughout this. And there's a panel where there's flesh melting, and her colors are so good, and there's just there's fire coming out of the, the eyes of the character, and just everything about it brings um jay's art 
full circle with everything going on. So I just, I, once again, I'm just gushing about how much I enjoy aspects of the book, but I don't know if there's a question there other than to say like great choice in colorists. <laughs> I want to, I want to let Jay, cause Jay, Jay has talked to me a couple times about how much he's enjoyed seeing, uh, Nia's uh, colors on his art, but just to that specific page you're talking about, um, yeah, no spoilers because it's 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 a it's a scene that happens early in the story. Uh, if you're in the back to Kickstarter, which we of course uh, sincerely hope you will, uh, if you're a fan of fantasy, if you're a fan of old school four color uh, dark fantasy, like this is this is the comic for you in that regard. That's one of the early uh, scenes that I wrote as as part of the story, um, and it was uh, really important to me because it really transformed it from just a uh, classic fantasy story and not wanting it to just be an adventurer going off on a quest story. That's not what the story is meant to be, but something that's really horrific and really shapes what's, what's, what's to come and what's happening um, and how, and how dire the straits are for, for the main character. Right. And so that's one of the early scenes that I wrote. Um, and uh, it was really important to me that we get that right. And so Jay's line art alone, of course, was, um, was stupendous for that. Um, um, so again, through the magic of editing, this will be just a seamless transition, but I was just describing, um, how important the scene was with the, the, the melting flesh and the, and the horror, the horror of that scene, they're really amping up the yeah. horror aspect of, 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 of our fantasy horror comic. But if you want to talk just about, uh, your, what Nia's coloring has meant to you for, for this story, and especially on that scene of, of the, of the skull and so forth. And just when I showed that to you for the first time, uh, just yeah. what your impressions were, because I, I know you and I talked about that before. Oh yeah, yeah. Something I, I uh, when I get to work with a new colorist, um, which is happening more and more frequently these days, and uh, the thing that has become a mark to me of a good colorist is I when I look at the art and I don't necessarily recognize my own work anymore, or it takes mm -hmm. me a second to realize, oh wait a minute, those are my lines. Like yeah, uh, that sort of transformative effect that that color can have on on black and white line art. Uh, and Nia absolutely knocked it out of the park with so many of those, uh, and the, the, the melting flesh, uh, panel. <laughs> yeah. Particularly. Yep. That, that was so much fun to draw and to see the, like, you could, you could feel the heat coming off of it. Like, uh, mm -hmm. that, that was one of those, like, okay, um, we're, we're in business here. Like that, that was, um, I'm going to say I was uncertain or anything like that, but, you know, seeing, uh, where, where we were at in production on the book and as you mentioned, you know, auditioning. Yeah. Uh, in Nia's work brings that, uh, very transformative effect to the work. Uh, I, I like it when I can look at a page that I've drawn and see it in color and it takes a second for me to recognize that, Oh, I did that. Mm -hmm. Uh, not, not the color obviously, but the, um, the line art, uh, and the, this particular panel, the, the melting face, uh, before I went suddenly mute there. Uh, I was just saying how well she nailed that, um, where you can really feel the heat coming off of it. I mean, it was enormously fun to draw, um, as grisly as it is. Uh, but, you know, it's similar to Leland's lettering where it, you know, it, it kind of, it works on its own until you get that other element and then you just, you see what, what it's been missing and what actually completes it. Uh, and his colors absolutely did that. Definitely. And, uh, yeah, go ahead, Chris. I was going to say, Jason, I had, I had two things I want to jump into because I know uh, we want to talk a little bit about the campaign itself uh, before we wrap up. But one is I wanted to say 
while Mike tends to be more of a like Lord of the Rings style fantasy guy, I am not really a Lord of the Rings style fantasy guy. I like playing D&D. I like like Conan the Barbarian and books like Barbaric and that kind of fantasy. But what I have noticed over the years is that when it is a really dark fantasy story, I am attracted to it. So I think of uh, Philip Kenny Johnson's Last Gods as a book that I really enjoyed. And one thing I, as I was reading this book, I enjoyed about it is it, this might be a weird comparison, but stick with me here. It felt like Saving Private Ryan with elves. <laughs> That's I've not heard that one. I hadn't had that thought, but I'm not going to shy away from it. It's it's uh, not a comparison I would make directly myself because you're always way too humble to to think of yourself in in, in that kind of thing. But uh, I appreciate the compliment, and it's not far off because yes, it's that was probably the 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 vein I was going for the the tone I was going for uh, a desperation like an absolute desperation moment mm-hmm. and the whole comic the whole first issue which was purposeful on my part to write it as this was the kind of fantasy story that I wanted to write. And I'm a fan of both worlds. Like, I mean, of course I, I love Tolkien and I, and I love the, the epic fantasy stories, but I had said to Leland early, early days before the script was finalized or anything else. I said, it's, it's very intentional on my part that I don't want to write the hero's origin story. I don't want to write the hero's right. journey in the traditional sense. Good and man. I absolutely don't want to write um, the, the uh, Lord of the Rings knockoff for the umpteenth time right we've read those stories we love those stories they're some of our favorite stories but not a story that jason wants to write it's uh, this is what i wanted to do instead i wanted to do something that would be like we're at the end we're at, we're, we're at the finale like uh, so much has already been lost yeah. and how do we how do we deal with it in that moment and that was where that was the starting point where i wanted to take the story and go with it and that, that's like the last the last uh push you need at the end of the, the war kind of thing um yeah and and like you said, that dark that dark fantasy too is um, I'm I'm a huge fan of, and I one of my favorite panels is just like we get to see a, a bunch of the a bunch of the undead. I'll say um, one of the one of the big panel shots, and it's just like this this book throughout. There's a lot of fun things for me as a as a D and D player, as a actually a DM for our group, uh, um, but when you, when you're building those stories and those those campaigns the fun part is uh is adding things like enchanted weapons and you know traps and and all this other stuff for like the group to come upon it's like how are you going to use this weapon within and our piece of equipment within your story within your realm uh when shit's hitting the fan yeah and there is there's a moment in the book and i don't want to spoil it for anybody but like there's a moment in the book where you have like a surprise like that um and I think it's especially it it needs to be done more. And I think it, in fantasy storytelling, which is what you did, it's like, you know, I have a plain old uh, sword or I have a plain old bow. It's like we're in a fantastical realm here. It can things can be enchanted. They can be magic. So I think just those little tweaks to make a to make a scene more interesting. Right. Instead of just like, I'm just going to hit somebody with a sword. It's like, why yeah. not have it enchanted and, and and the characters don't always know how to use it properly, yes. that sort of thing, right? So, get out, um, get out, get yeah. out of my head, Mike. Yeah, just, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just I don't know if you want to talk about that at all. Like maybe you notice that maybe yeah. Missed, and let and let me address that just real real fast. Yeah. Just so uh, 
you know, the the I always say the gray in the beard is authentic. I'm old as dirt, Gen X kid <laughs> who grew up on uh, comic books, Dungeons and Dragons, and Saturday morning cartoons. And so yep. uh, I've been a lifelong gamer my whole life. I'm a freelance tabletop role-playing game designer on the side. I was on top of being a freelance comic book writer on the side. Um, so I, I, I enjoy both worlds. I live in both worlds. Both worlds hugely influence me as a writer. And, and I've got a, a regular table that meets weekly to this day that I'm so, so nice. privileged to get to, to game with. Uh, but I had also said to Leland in early days, I said this was really important that this, I didn't want to write a D&D comic. I didn't want this just to be Dungeons and Dragons with serial numbers filed off where the, the classic stereotypes are there. There's 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 classic tropes. There's there's right. like what I described as four-color fantasy. We have elves and humans and dwarves and magic and, and undead and you're fighting and it's all medieval and it all looks very, very familiar. And fans of Dungeons and Dragons, 100%. This com Fans of Conan the Barbarian, as Chris said, 100%. This comic is going to be just amazing for you. Um, but, I, but I wanted it to be a story about survival, not just a story about an adventurer who goes off to save the world. So, but things like, yeah, having magic weapons, having, if you're going to have magic, great. That's what's one thing. If you're going to have magic weapons, which is a huge classic fantasy trope and, and Dungeons and Dragons uh, uh, storytelling element, but doing it in a way that's interesting, do it in a way that's, that's creative because I, I want to use it for the story that that the reader discovers it at the same time that the character does mm -hmm. that was part of what that was and the, and, the, and the scene that you're talking about and then getting to do something fun where i can give something to jay and say here's how we're going to take this magic weapon yeah and use it in the use it on the page and yep. then do something really fun with it and that uh, was really important to me where it becomes a a really good dark fantasy story and not just a D, D adventure no yeah i think it, it came together really nicely um and just the second part to my question was the so the issue reads as a one-shot comic like it's we get the story it's it concluded at the end and i could never read another thistle book and be happy with the story i read at the same time you have labeled it as issue one so are there more stories inside the thistle universe or is this a one shot and you're moving on to the next thing? Uh, no, there's absolutely more stories uh, dependent upon the, the beautiful people that hopefully are watching and listening to this right now. Uh, if they back us and they back the Kickstarter and they help us make it a success, uh, there's a reason it says issue one on the cover, right? Because right. There's, there's more to come. Uh, and I've, I've got multiple issues uh, plotted out uh, immediately following this issue of what happens next in the story. Uh, I would be uh, incredibly uh lucky to be able to tell those stories. I would be incredibly privileged to collaborate with Jay and Leland and, and with uh, our colorist, uh, Mia, uh, if if the readership wants it, if, if, if the backers uh, support us and they say, yeah, we like this and we want more, it's ready to go as, as soon as they as soon as they give us the green light. Yeah, great. You definitely want more, everybody. Trust yeah, me. Yeah, we definitely want more. <laughs> uh, and, I'll, and I'll say this too. I mean, while, you know, this is the, uh, this is coming out the day before as we're talking, the, the day before the launches, on Kickstarter, if you if you don't think you can remember a whole twenty four hours from now, you can actually go to the page and get notified uh, about the launch before we yes. see all the goodies coming out. Um, <laughs> and I, and yeah, go ahead, Chris. I was gonna say I, I I don't know if you're you're going for the wrap up, Mike. But before we go for the wrap up, yeah, uh, yeah, everybody can go and get the reminder. Go do that so you're you remember to to back it on day one. Mm -hmm. But for those people that do do that what can they expect from the, the campaign? Do yeah. You, I mean, a bunch of covers. Do you have special swords that you're made? Like what, <laughs> what kind of tiers can people expect? Is there a sword tier? Oh yeah. yeah. 
sword sword tier will be on issue two. You got okay. help us, right. helps right. us get there. And we'll, At least and the foam Jay, sword. Jay, Jay will help us design the sword tier. Absolutely, yeah, a foam sword would be good. <laughs> Uh, listen, we got we got early bird special, uh, forty eight hours, uh, both for PDF and for physical backers. Um, so that's going to be available on on day one and day two. So people absolutely want to get in early to take advantage of that uh, nice little discount on either the the digital PDF copy or the physical yeah. copy. Uh, there are uh, two covers, so I kept it simple. I didn't want to go gimmicky. I didn't want to go with a lot of variants. I wanted to give people a clear choice. We've got Jay's uh, just outstanding cover that you can see, uh, which is the one also behind me here, the red one, which is a little 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 small in the background. And then there's the second cover. I've already been teasing it. The variant cover. I've already been teasing it on my. Uh, uh, on my uh, social media accounts uh, so you can go and find it there but it is by Heather Vaughn uh, who is just a phenomenal artist in her own right she does uh, a ton of um, uh, crazy cover work she did the variant cover for Leland's book capsules uh, so that you can see an example of that as well um, and that's the second one uh, here to, uh, behind me uh, with the, uh, the 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 leering skull uh, with the big eyeball staring at you um, again, setting that tone where same as you guys got the sort of the preview copy. Uh, so mm -hmm. did Heather. And then I, Heather was given very little instructional, like, this is the comic, this is what we're going for. You know, can you give me uh, your first impression in terms of what you want to do? And that variant covers what she came back with. And so there's awesome. a variant cover, which is a physical reward only. So you have to back it on the physical tier to get that. Uh, and you can get both covers, of course, as, as, a, as a bulk tier. And then we've got some nice bundles. We've got a couple of cool add-ons. we got a pin. We can get you some signed copies of the comics. Um, and then we've got even some amazing stretch goals, which if everybody is super generous uh, and maybe not just for yourself, but tell your D&D group, tell your friends, tell your comic book store, anybody that you know that loves fantasy and loves comics that you think would be into this and you get them to come join us. Um, we've even got some uh, really cool stretch goals that uh, we would love to help uh, showcase with everybody as well. No, that's, that's awesome. Uh, yeah, and, and all the more reason to to hop in and, uh, and back as soon as possible with that 48-hour early bird. Um, I know that's going to get me to, to jump in there. Okay, and and bird. and one one Discount? last come on yeah, yeah one last pitch the comic is done so yep. writing art colors uh, letters uh, you guys have seen it of course we, we, we it was purposeful to complete the comic so that the backers go in knowing there's mm -hmm. no risk here what what you're helping us fund is the uh, shipping and and the uh, delivery and all of the pieces that goes printing and shipping of course so we can get it into your hands um, and uh, but also to help us hopefully be as successful as we can. To allow us to do issue two uh but there's this is such a perfect comic indie comic book kickstarter because there's no risk to the backer the mm -hmm. comic is completed you just need to come in uh and support us and and bring bring some of your friends with you to do the same real quick to anybody out there it's a future comic creator what uh jason just said there's key finish the book then put it on kickstarter i understand some people can't 100 do that but yeah that's key like nothing's more frustrating than the funds are out of my account and I get the update. Like we'll start doing the book now. It's like, Oh, come on. <laughs> yeah. I'll get it. I'll see it in like 13 months. Yeah. Nothing <laughs> yeah. is more frustrating. Like, yeah. out of pot, like you, you guys got to yep. do it. Yeah. And yeah, the book is complete and we've seen it. Uh, I'm sure other people have seen it too. And, and yeah, so we know that it's going to be done as soon as it gets funded. So it's, it's very cool. It's very dark fantasy. Um, and I know Chris and I really enjoyed it. And I will say this just cause you guys are on the show. We don't enjoy all the books that we get sent. So I will say, <laughs> Hey, we're pretty honest about it. We'll be like, Hey, this, uh, 
this really wasn't this wasn't my cup of tea but yeah people like it no we really we really did enjoy this as far as i do think there's a lapse in fantasy within well definitely within mainstream comics within some of the indie publishers they're getting into it a little bit but um i would say this this story i have not seen um like you said the the little tweaks it's not your run-of-the-mill story um it is it was it was something enjoyable that i i felt i was missing within the space of comics so i, I do think people are going to back something that's really good here if yeah they're, and, if they're looking for that and mike like we're having a good time here you had to call it travis gibb real quick for us not liking his comics like yeah yeah well i know come love on you, travis. Oh, I'm yeah, love you, travis i'm just no, kidding no, no, I, I like his books too i guess um but yeah i <laughs> I it, it comes out tomorrow, everybody. Um, while we have all you guys here, uh, do we have anywhere you want to send the viewers, the listeners? I don't know if you individually want to shout out your your social media stuff. Um, just have at it here. I don't know, Jason. If you want yeah, to real it. real fast. So yeah. I'm JL Collins on Linktree. It has a link to all of my published work, comics, tabletop role playing games. Uh, I did a short story for Wizards of the Coast way back in the day. Nice. Uh, it also has links to an actual play that I did where I was game master for a Star Wars actual play back in October of this past year. Uh, that's on the Dungeon Scrolls channel. All four episodes are linked on my Linktree account. You can find it there. You can also find it under a pin post on my Twitter. I'm digital underscore Collins on the site formerly known as Twitter. I'm digital Collins with no underscore on Blue Sky. Uh, but Linktree has a link to my socials as well as all the other uh, fun stuff that I've worked on. Um, and happy to share that with everybody. Nice. How about you, uh, Leland? Uh, yeah, everybody can find me at Leland Writes on Linktree. There's links to my award-winning short comics. Nice. Uh, you can hire me on there to edit or letter your comic. Um, yeah, that's the easy, that's one-stop shopping. Or go to Jason or Jay's stuff and you'll find me. Right. <laughs> Awesome. Just, just whipping that award-winning dick right out, man. If you can't big yourself up, nobody else is going like, to. Yeah. You got to sell yourself. That was awesome. <laughs> yep. Hey, and Jay, how about you, man? Um, I keep my social media stuff pretty universal. It's uh, just at Sheikopedia on uh, X, uh, Instagram, threads. I'm on Blue Sky, all under the same at Sheikopedia. It's my last name, A-P-E-D-I-A. Um, there's also my website, which is uh, jsheik.com, like you see there at the side of the screen. Uh, I keep a pretty good uh, selection of my current and past work up there in terms of comics and illustration. Um, I have some links to uh, the artwork I did for a museum exhibit in Boston, kind of outside of comics that got featured in the New York Times at the end of last year. Cool. Um, bunch of bunch of fun stuff i need to update it a little more frequently than i do but there's also a form on there if you want to hire me to draw a book or pin up or museum exhibit whatever you got <laughs> nice awesome very nice and everybody out there you know the, the drill show notes down below will have all these links most importantly the kickstarter which i promise you you need to fund yep guys thank you so much for taking the time like any good fantasy book we lost some people along the way. They got resurrected. <laughs> and now we yep. are here at the end of the adventure all together. Yep. So yep. thank you all so much for your time. And uh, you. we look forward to the next time we get to talk to you all. Yeah, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you, guys. And we're back. We're back. So, yeah, uh, I really enjoyed Thistle. Check it out. Um, 
if you're into fantasy, it's a really great book. Yeah, yeah cool little story. Great art, man. Yeah, the art is great fantastic. Art. Yeah, I love the character designs. Um, and uh, it's kind of a one shot, but I'll I'll be interested yeah. to see if there's more. Um, yeah, for sure. for sure. Obviously, we have already asked him this question, so yeah, yeah. I don't know why I'm asking it now. Yeah, I don't know. Interesting, <laughs> interesting, Chris. A glimpse into the 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 man behind the curtain. <laughs> um, all right, we're gonna we're gonna jump into comic book news. So, um, this is exciting because earlier in the year in the year, uh, DC announced their big blockbuster event series. Um, this this summer called Absolute Power. Uh, the series will be written by Mark Wade with art by Dan Mora. There we go. Look at that. Uh, interesting. We got Waller. Uh, I believe that's the the cyborg Batman, maybe. Um, the, yep. From from the Mark Wade's uh, the Batman Superman series. Throughout the dawn of DC, Amanda Waller's combination of pure ruthlessness and dangerous alliances has placed her on the precipice of fulfilling her pledge the elimination of all metahuman abilities planet-wide this summer her plans take a major step forward with absolute power dc's big summer blockbuster i we knew they were doing something with amanda wall right yeah i mean they've been they've been pumping up amanda wall for over a year now yeah like and i'm i've really enjoyed her her villain arc here. Yep. And I love that, that cover with like the portrait burning and Wayne Manor. That's sick. Yeah. And I, I firmly believe, uh, so you said cyborg Batman for this. I mm -hmm. think that's the bat, the, the Batman from Chip, uh, Zdarsky's run. Fail safe. That's fail safe. Saying. Yeah. Fail safe. Yep. That, that was Zdarsky's run. Yep. Yeah. So it's bringing in a lot of good stuff. Uh, we've got a team here, Mark Wade and Dan Mora, that's been on a tear recently. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Ripping and tearing, Chris. Yeah, so there's no reason to believe this won't be good. Yep. I, yeah, I'm really, really excited for this. I, I love big event comics. It's one of the things about comics that I just enjoy so much, even when they're bad. There's going to be some cool interactions, I have a feeling, in this series. Yeah. And, and, I'll, it, and I'll just say, just to to put a bow on what I just said and DC's event comics recently have been really fucking good. And so. Chris, it, it's almost like, I mean, we've had some gimmicky ones like, Oh, you had, you know, uh, the, uh, zombies, you had vampires. Now we're just getting some good, like evil planning espionage. You know, it's like Amanda Waller is a force to be reckoned with. That's the new event. <laughs> yeah. Like the wall. <laughs> That's what we're getting. Yeah. So. Uh, so I'm pretty pumped for that. It's gonna be good stuff. Um, also really cool, we got more news about Elseworlds because Chris and I are big fans of that. Uh we a we actually know when all of them are gonna be released. So Gotham by Gaslight, the Kryptonian Age is coming out in June. So it almost like once summer hits, we're getting almost one a month. Uh Dark Knights of Steel all winter for July. DC versus Vampires, World War V for September. Batman the Barbarian for October, Green Lantern Dark for November, Batman Nightfire for November. So yeah, uh, starting in June, we're getting more more awesome books. Yeah, I've been really looking forward to this initiative coming. Oh yeah, and yep. I'll be reading all these. I was gonna say I don't think there's a book. Maybe the Green Lantern Dark. That one I might wait on, but the rest oh, of them I'm all in on. I'm reading them all. That's it. Yeah, it's happening. Yeah, I cannot wait. So. Especially you get the little Elseworld symbol on the book again. That's always awesome. 
Yeah, it's so funny to me because the entire time that DC versus Vampire and Dark Knight Steel was coming out, I was just I wasn't even calling them black label books. I'm like, yeah, these are Elseworlds books. These are Elseworlds stories. Yeah. Like, don't even tell me they're not. And uh, they retconned me into being right. So, (laughs) yeah. Like, well, we still have this thing. We might as well bring it back. Um, Yeah. I'm, I'm really curious. Somebody else did the math on this and I should look it up, but you know, Elseworlds coming back and all that. When is Vertigo coming back? Because yeah. And somebody was doing the math on like, I think it's the 40th or 50th anniversary coming out uh-huh. the next year or so. So to see these old uh, labels and, and uh, imprints coming, I like that DC's very much just this mishmash of different things. Right. Not right. just the main continuity, which yep. is one of the things that they're doing so much better than Marvel right now. Yeah, I'm pretty, I'm pretty pumped for all these books. I cannot wait. Yeah. Um, another another announcement, uh, a couple announcements. DC announced a new line of paperback trades coming later this year called DC Finest. And there's a nice little picture there. The line promises to be an affordable option for people to get classic stories throughout the years of DC continuity. It'll debut with five books that include Golden Age Superman, Silver Age Flash. Oh, they got some Catwoman there. Batman Year One and Year Two, Gail Simone's Wonder Woman, and the first solo Catwoman series from the 80s. Uh, that's really cool that they're doing affordable options. Those the hardcovers they did a while back were pretty expensive. Yeah, it's. I mean, so these books are thirty four ninety nine, I believe okay. USD. Yep, but they're full color. So yeah, that's cool. Because both DC and Marvel had done these big collections like this, but black and white, and they were mm-hmm. super cheap. Yep. Uh, but that's one of the things. It's one of the great things and issues with American comics versus manga is that American comics like are traditionally color and Mm -hmm. it's almost essential to the storytelling. Yep. So to see this, like some, some great story arcs going through, I mean, I've never read uh, Gail Simone's. I haven't read almost any of these. I've read the Batman, obviously that's Frank Miller stuff. Yep. Uh, But the rest of them, I've probably read most of that Superman stuff because that's like the original, original Superman. Arc. Yeah. The Flash one's kind um, of exciting. Yeah, but to see them, I just think of the future and what they can do with it and mm-hmm. to bring great arcs out. It's not that this is a new thing they've done. Like, right. I'm reading a book right now from DC that was pretty much this. It's so-and-so's X character, and I'll talk about it more when I finish it. But to see them put a label on it and to really say like, this is an initiative we're going to go forward with is mm-hmm. awesome because yeah. now your friend who may be somewhat interested in comics, you can be like, well, uh, I, what you really like the wonder woman movie. Well, here's one of the better wonder woman stories ever told. Yeah. Gail Simone's wonder woman. Yep. And, uh, it's not really that cool. expensive. I mean, right. 30, 35 bucks is a lot of money, but in the grand scheme of things, that's not super expensive for, this much comics yeah i think it's 12 issues yeah that's a lot of comics there yeah for sure yeah that's exciting i like when they go back and you know celebrate what they've done before yeah and i like that so traditionally dc's been really bad with reprinting and just Mm -hmm. printing in general and i like that they're kind of flipping the script this year with those smaller trades to try to compete with manga we've got this and i'm sure we're gonna get more along the lines or along the year 
to really just show that they're they want to push forward with no we want to keep this stuff in print and get make it accessible to people mm-hmm. and which is something they've traditionally been really bad with so i i like that they're kind of changing their tune on that yeah yeah uh then sorry sorry local comic shops but dc announced that this july they're going back to re- releasing new comics on wednesdays so now that you've already adapted and overcome the changes you're we're going back <laughs> Listen, to any comic shops that are mad about this, let me just tell you right now, this is the way God intended it. I've said from no, day one. I, I feel bad for the comic shops that had to adjust for the Tuesday release. And now they're uh, I mean, yeah. I don't think that was that big of a deal. But yeah. if you are upset about this, listen, this is the way God intended. New comic book day is Wednesday. I said yeah. from the very beginning. Oh, yeah. When, I don't know why DC would go and change that. That was just a terrible idea. It's It was because media had generally released on Tuesday. Yeah. But fuck that. Like comics yeah, are comics Wednesday. have always been a Wednesday. And I'm glad to see not only for myself, it makes some of my life easier um, yep. with the videos I do, but mm-hmm. it also just is this is the way it was intended. Everybody at the comic shop on Wednesday, whether you're reading DC or Marvel. And I, I think at the end of the day, that created a world where my friends who are DC only, which was you at one point in time mm-hmm. yeah. when we first met. And we could talk, cross talk about the books we were reading, right? And get each other into other stuff. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's good for both companies, for all companies. Yeah. Like that. But yeah. Come on, DC. Good yeah. on you, DC. Yeah. Um, Marvel announced this is exciting new Star Wars stuff. One shot titled Star Wars The Phantom Menace 25th Anniversary Special. The title will be written by Greg Pak, awesome, and art by Will Silney. It will tell the events of the movie from Anakin's perspective. You getting that, Chris? Oh yeah. Oh hell yeah. Uh, <laughs> I so Greg Pak's been doing a great job with the Star Wars stuff. He's doing the Darth Vader book, and I think it's good to go back and celebrate what the prequels were, even if they're not perfect. Right. Yeah, I think that's there's still a story to be told there. Yeah, and I said like I think one and three have over time aged well mm-hmm. uh two is still garbage i don't care what anyone says but one in particular like is a fun little one when you look back at the history of george lucas like it's him doing american graffiti again mm-hmm. he's telling a story about racing cars just yeah. there's jedi <laughs> yeah right right that's true so i i am excited for this i i like uh i like the characters involved i, I mean i'm still kind of not a big jar jar binks guy but but, you know, everyone else involved in Anakin's story arc there. There's some cool things to mind. So, yeah, I'm definitely picking this up. Yeah, I think that's a I think it's a good idea. Um, all right. A few months back, we got a leak that the Ultimate line would be adding the Ultimates to it soon. And now Marvel has officially announced that the Ultimates by writer Denise Camp and artist Juan Frigeri will debut in June. We also learned that the team will be Iron Lad, Tony Stark, Captain America, Doctor Doom, Thor, Sifave, Sifave, and they will band together to destroy Maker's Council and restore freedom to the world. There you go. There's the oh, that's a cool looking Thor. Uh, yeah, yeah. And there's others like Ant Man slash Giant Man and Wasp are in there too, but they weren't yeah. press release. Yep, that's cool. Yeah, I, I'm all in on the Ultimate stuff. I I thought it was a little quick to bring yeah. the Ultimates in, but. I see 
I see how they've been hinting at, you know, Iron Lad doing his thing. He's mm-hmm. the one that helped Peter. Um, he did a lot during Ultimate Invasion. Like there's there's seeds that are made here. And I, I hope that they keep the Ultimates the way it wasn't originally as like mm-hmm. a, a four to six issue series and they go away. Because if anyone remembers, like the Ultimates in the original Ultimate Universe was almost an event book. Mm-hmm. Like they popped up and then they disappeared for a while and then you got Ultimates 2 and they and so on and so forth. So, but yeah, I'm excited for this. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, more announcements. Sony Press announced that they're bringing back the classic publishing line EC Comics. Um, the line will launch with two new series, Epitaphs from the Abyss and Cruel Universe, and will include creators like Jason Aaron, Rodney Barnes, Colin Bunn, Stephanie Phillips, Brian Azzarello, Christopher Cantwell, and so many more. For those that don't know, EC Comics was a classic comic publisher in the early years of the industry, has popped up in and out throughout the years, mostly known for creating horror comics, notably being the original publishers of the Creepshow comic series. Yes. Uh, the tales of horror and stuff like that, they they have collected trades of all that stuff. That is so cool that they're bringing it back. Uh, this is really exciting. Um, I don't read any Oni's press cr- uh, stuff, Chris, but I will probably be reading most of this stuff. Yeah, yeah I... I'll be interested in Cruel Universe because it's a sci-fi horror yep. book. Mm-hmm. But what I like about this is we're seeing a renaissance and I got to credit Kickstarter and the small publishers for this. Mm-hmm. We're seeing a renaissance and specifically horror anthology, but anthology comics. Yeah. And this mm-hmm. is proof that a company like Oni Press is like, we can do a regular anthology and yep. big names will want to be a part of it. Oh yeah, for sure. So I, I'm really down for this, and I think the the lineup. I mean, the names you just named are all creators who are, yeah, at least get a shot in my eyes. Oh yeah, Jason Aaron, is. come on. Yeah, Jason Aaron, Cantwell can be hit or miss, but I do love his work. Stephanie Phillips, uh, yeah, and and so on and so forth. Like, yeah, Colin and, Bunn, our boy Colin. Yeah, Colin Bunn, which yep. yeah, gotta get. Gotta get a hold of that, man. Yep. But, uh, yeah, and it's cool to see classic lines brought back. Like, EC is so synonymous with comics. Mm-hmm. And I'm just glad to see it out there somewhere. Yeah. So, yeah, me too. Yeah. Uh, Boom Studios announced a new title from writer Philip Kennedy Johnson, the all-star and artist uh, SOM, titled Crocodile Black. Uh, here's the synopsis for everybody. What makes someone turn to crime, especially in a modern pandemic riddled dystopia during the height of 2020 COVID-19 pandemic, Danny, a seemingly mundane young man lost in escapism with a spiraling lack of control over his life, sees something during a delivery job that will change him forever, turning his life as dark as the black crocodile skin boots he can't take his eyes off of. Uh, not my cup of tea. I don't know if you, this is something you would check out. I I love Phil Kenny Johnson. Yeah. I am so sick of pandemic stuff. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. The, when I heard COVID-19 pandemic, I was like, man, I, <laughs> any other dystopia <laughs> would be fine. Did we really have to talk about that? <laughs> Even if you want to talk about it and yeah. then just like change it to be like, I don't know, some futuristic flu, like just yeah, something else. I just, 
there's never i i mean i don't want to say never but i feel like there will never be a time where i'll be nostalgic for the covid19 pandemic no this is like yeah <laughs> yeah I, you and me both yeah so i get that people have stories that came out of it but i think you need to be more creative with it that said we do get review copies from boom studios so I That's will probably true. check out a Philip Kenny Johnson. You do get book. reviews, yeah. I'll if probably. I was to put my money down, no way. <laughs> I'm not sorry, getting I'm my money. Be real with everybody, there's no. We'll way get I'm my attention. <laughs> and maybe I'm wrong, and yeah. we'll find out when I get that review copy. But yeah. yeah, the whole the whole crocodile boot thing. I don't really know what to make of that. It's kind of a weird thing to run with. But. I, yeah, I also want to say while this is a great cover, yeah, terrible synopsis. Yeah, what's up? Like crocodile boots are not. It's I, uh, what it, I get like it's the pandemic and he turns the crime. What? Okay. What's crocodile skin boots got to do with anything? I'm sh- I hope that he's a good enough writer that that'll be explained, but right. You need right. to do more for me in the synopsis people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We need a little more than that. Um, um, Ahoy comics announcement, new title from writer Garth Ennis, everybody. All right. An artist, uh, Jason Burroughs, titled Babs, which I wish we could have talked about when we had the Ahoy guys on. Um, the series introduced Babs, a skilled barbarian thief with an itchy metal wardrobe and the world's worst enchanted sword named Barry. Hey, I've been noticing a trend lately, Chris. Together, Babs and Barry travel the highways and byways of fabulous fantasy universe, a world of wizards and dragons, trolls and demons, towering palaces, piles of magic treasure, aiming to strike it rich. But Tiberius Toledo, wow, and his band of white knights have different plans. While enacting their latest half-assed, get-rich, slow scheme, Babs uncovers Toledo's foul plot to exploit uh, the baser instincts of the local townsfolk, landing her headfirst into an epic battle. Babs wasn't looking for a fight. And then again, she's never found a bad situation. She couldn't make a hundred times worse. Uh, Okay, the premise has got me. It's fantasy. Um... Garth Ennis running it and having some villains called the white Knights. I don't think this is, I don't think it's a, a very, um, I don't think they're hiding anything with the lead there. I, I think there's going to be some, uh, uh, undertones to this book. Yeah, might, you know, a, a female lead. Yeah. The white Knights. Yeah, it might I'm not sure. be as fun and enjoyable as I thought. Chris, it might be, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see where Garth Ennis goes with it, but I'm definitely going to be checking it out. I kind of feel that this is a barbaric esque book. Yeah. Maybe not a talking sword. I mean, they said enchanted, but I don't expect yeah. it to be like talking to her. Yeah. But I do think it'll be that style of humor and, yep. um, and fantasy that said, Holy shit. Ahoy comics got Garth Ennis to do a book. Yeah. Like, what's going on over there like they are doing some cool stuff i know they are and i will say the enchanted sword has a name barry so that would imply maybe it could talk (laughs) i hope it doesn't talk i I mean yeah getting garth Garth ennison on this is crazy um here's my only concern with what you just said with the the white knight situation yeah is garth has done a really great job recently with like uh marjorie finnegan and a few other books with mm-hmm. writing badass foul mouth female leads right that i really enjoyed yep and i really hope we don't go down a path of like beat me over the head 
with certain themes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm that's what I'm wondering. I mean, we won't know until we read it, but just yes. from the cover, it almost I mean, it looks like she doesn't take herself too seriously. Like it it reminds me yeah. a lot of that cover reminds me a lot of Marjorie Finnegan in terms okay. of like the feel yep. and what we're doing here. The big difference is that it's fantasy and not sci-fi, and there's mm-hmm. a giant dragon on the fucking cover. <laughs> yeah, I'm in for giant dragons and fantasy. So that all said, I'm I'm so down for this. I love the logo. Mm-hmm. Uh the cover's really cool and just I'm excited for the Ahoy guys. They got a Garth Ennis book. Like that's yeah, that's huge. crazy. That is huge. Um, and listeners may remember when Tom Parents do or more teased on the show that Ahoy Comics would be getting their first licensed comic this year. Well, now we know what it'll be. Ahoy Comics announced that writer Matt Boris and artist Fred Harper will be making a five issue Toxic Event Avengers comic. Hell yeah, Ahoy! <laughs> Hell yeah! This is I. If you would ask me a thousand times, I would not have guessed Toxic Avenger. <laughs> Uh, I yeah, that's awesome. I wouldn't have either. Yeah. Like I, I, when I got this email, I'm at work. Yeah. I got the email. I looked down and it's from their publicist. Yep. Who does a few other things. So like it could have been somebody else, mm-hmm. but the, the email just read, it's usually like, um, approved for release or something like that. Toxic Avengers. And I immediately was just like, that's the book Tom was talking about. It had to be. Yeah. I didn't have to open it to know that it was a Hoy book. Because while I never would have guessed in a million years, he was correct. It is the perfect Ahoy book. Oh, it is. It makes sense. Like now that I hear that, Chris, I'm like, oh yeah, this this is for sure an Ahoy book. Yeah, it's it's so cool that this is what they got. Like, yeah. And once again. I said it already, but it's it's such a good Ahoy book because not only is it very comic booky mm-hmm. and fit in our world, but Toxic Avengers always had an undertone of humor. Yep. So for for him to get this, for them to get this character and to do something with it, I'm I'm really interested to see what they do. Yeah, yep. it's it's kind of a weird cover. I'm not really fond of it, but yeah, it makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> ugly Toxic Avenger, but but yeah, uh, yeah it's. It's going to be an interesting year for Ahoy, man. Like, yeah, I thought for a while there, as much as I was enjoying Ahoy stuff, they were getting in this rut of doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. And the past couple announcements between these two and a few others have shown me that they have really doubled down on like, we need new things. We need yeah. to really like reinvigorate the line while at the same time, bring back wrong earth once again. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> Keep bringing me more wrong earth stuff. So it's cool stuff. I'm going to read, I'll be reading this for sure. Yeah. My, my interest in Ahoy is reinvigorated right now. Oh yeah. 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 Love those guys. Yeah. Uh, Distillery comics announced a new series coming from writer, artist, Jamie, Jamie McKelvey titled one for sorrow. I do like the art for this one. Uh, London, 1900, the capital hums with the energy of a new era, but somewhere darker lurks beneath the surface. A monstrous figure stalks the city's criminal underworld at night, leaving a trail of bloody corpses. The only clue is a baffled police force that work uh, with is the black and white feather left on each corpse, leading the press to dub the killer the magpie. Is the magpie killing at random? Is there a pattern? Three individuals, strangers to each other, might together have the answer. Uh, not something I would be interested in, but I do like the art. Um, very cool. It's got enough to intrigue me. Yeah, but I want to know more, and 
I think once again, if I had to put my money down, I don't know if I would. But I were lucky enough to get review copies, so I will probably yes. check it out. Yeah, it right. sounds interesting enough. I like the. I always like the look of that plague doctor mask. Mm-hmm. Like there's yeah, something intriguing cool. about that. I do think that's cool. Yeah, and to have kind of a, it almost has like a Jack the Ripper feel mm-hmm. with like a detective book. So there's there's things in there that intrigue me. Um, so I'll be, I'll be there to check it out when it comes yeah. out. Cool. Yeah. All right. IDW is rolling with the TMNT stuff. Hot off the heels announcing the new comic. We got five. So if you wanted a TMNT comic, now we're getting five more, everybody. So buckle up. Yeah, we're buckling. Uh, I don't know where they got this idea for TMNT, black, white, and green. <laughs> don't know where that came from, folks. Uh, an anthology series included stories from creators like uh, Declan Shelby, Javier Rodriguez, Jock, and more. Yeah, this will be the fun anthology uh, of all the TMNT characters. A lot of cool covers there. It, uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Marvel's been doing black, black, white, and red, or black, white, and blood, or you know whatever. Yeah. Uh, DC did the black, black and white. white, and black blue. And yeah. For Superman, they did black and white for Batman. Yeah. Uh, I've seen a few others. I mean, it's it's become a trend. But I do like it. Like, yeah, it's kind of cool. It's a black and white comic. But at the same time, like we had a splash of color in there. Yep. And it gives all these creators a chance to jump into the team and T world without having to do an ongoing series. Yeah, just have fun with it. Yeah. So while I think. I know it's the 25th anniversary of IDW. They've got this big change for turtles. They want to do all this cool stuff. I like this idea. And I like one of the other ideas. I but think they're, they're kind of blowing their load with turtles right now. Yeah. So the next one, TMNT Usagi Yohimbo, uh, start Saturday morning adventures for writer, Eric Burnham, artist, Jack Lawrence, a series of crossover, the two IPs once again, but in the style of the TMNT cartoon from the 19. 19- 87 um not anything i'm interested in i do like the character usagi but it's not someone i've really read a lot um when they first did this crossover it made sense yeah like do the classic turtles with usagi yeah they're two kind of similar Similar ips uh and i like idw saturday morning adventures line Mm -hmm. you know i'm not reading any of them but like i like the idea of it yep and I'm glad it's just a one shot, but still, it's just they should have waited on this announcement and maybe yeah. done it like later in the year or something. Later in the year would be cool, yeah. Uh, but I'm sure a lot of people will be excited for it either way. Next couple, we have TMNT Night Watcher from writer Juni Ba and artist Pharaoh Pei. The series will spin out of the main TMNT title and focus on the character Night Watcher. Um, all right, interesting. I, so I'm not enough of a Turtles fan to know who Night Watcher is. No, me I, that's really all I got there. It's coming like, out of the new series, I guess. I it, it'll all depend. And once again, I hate to keep prefacing this, but like we get review copies of these books. Yeah, right. Uh, if I had to put my money down, well, first if I had to put my money down, I probably won't be reading Turtles. Right. Uh, 
But if I had to put my mind on this in particular, I would say if I was reading Turtles, I would have to read Turtles before I even thought about putting my mind on this. Mm-hmm. Um, but Turtles fans out there are probably screaming like Night Watcher rules. I don't know, but <laughs> I just have no, I have no idea who this character is. Yeah. So, um, and then the last one, TMNT Mutant Nation writer Tom Waltz, artist Sophie Campbell. Uh, ongoing series will live alongside Jason Aaron's main series and feature other mutant characters from the world of TMNT. See, that one makes sense to release with the main book. These other ones, like you said, I think is really just jumping the gun here. Just releasing like way too much at once. Yeah, and Tom Waltz is kind of a guy that's been working with uh, Kevin Eastman a lot, so mm-hmm. it makes sense. Like He's the co-writer. I believe he's the co-writer of Last Ronin. Yep. And he's done. He did that. Uh, I think it was called Drawing Blood book that Eastman did. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense. That he's doing turtle stuff. Like he's been in that world. He's friends with Eastman. So that said, I think this is a cool idea to spotlight other characters yeah. and to kind of live alongside that book while not necessarily being a part of its continuity. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I'll just say. No Mondo Gecko, I riot because Mondo Gecko is my spirit animal. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. I'm more of a Bebop rock study, but I get it. Um yeah, and I think that's it for the for the news. Um now we'll talk about what we read this week, Chris. Yes. Uh I read comics. I read comics as well. To catch up really quick, um, I still got to read Wesley Dodds and Sinister Sons is on my list now because of what you suggested. Uh, I did catch up on Batman City Madness number three. I thought it was a great ending. Uh, Arkham making a deal with like the Eldritch Horrors to save his son's mind. Like initiating everything was a really cool premise. Uh, I, I thought that was awesome. Where he's like, oh, he's like, just get over it. It's been a year. <laughs> like, okay. Oh, you're not going to get over it? Okay, let me go make a deal with these evil creatures from beyond her our universe to fix you like what the fuck uh all right <laughs> dad of the year i guess um dad's gotta do what dad's gotta do man yeah he's gotta do what he's gotta do uh so i read i read batman 143 and 144 is at our skiing common coley uh yeah more joker stuff uh we um yeah i mean we see we see Batman fighting the well, he doesn't really fight the Bat family jokers. He he like smoke bombs them and runs away. Uh, we see Joker like returning. This is like you know the initiation of Joker, like the start of the Joker origin. Kind of, we see the Joker come back to the bar that he gets like beat the shit out of, and uh, he's following the Joker now. And we see him like that's like I think coming full circle of like yeah, now I'm crazy. We talk about. They do talk about how the guy who's training him is like, oh my god, he's the best at manipulating his mind. He really does see three different personalities. Mm-hmm. Um, if this is how we, if this is, they're like making him do this three jokers thing just to wrap it all up. I think this probably this way makes the most sense. There, there's three divisions of his mind or something. I think I said last week, and I would stand by it that I like that part of the last issue. Yeah, because it it does kind of bring 
sense to the idea that we've seen different iterations of Joker. Yeah, and I like I like the way they explained it for sure. Yeah, yeah and think, it, and it yeah. also wraps it into the Batman mythos at the same time. So mm-hmm. I, I I like that person. Yeah, like when Joker pops up, he's different. It's like oh, that could be the same Joker. He's just like in a different section of his mind. Yes. Um. And then and then uh, we see Batman finds the antidote. Um. That uh to to like healing the people that are that have the jokers gas or whatever um which we don't really know what's going on there but um i think that that's all i had in my notes for that so i don't really know if anything's resolved but i think uh, so because this is the last issue of it you uh-huh. you also in the past there was the whole thing where like the police force were a part of the right gang. yeah they were all part they were corrupt yes yep and yep. it did all kind of wind around that the commissioner at the time got arrested for it was put in jail but joker promised to get back at him so in the future uh when he does the joker gas thing that was patient zero because when he got out of jail he experimented on him created yeah joker gas. did all that crazy shit i think me personally i liked the past stuff, mm-hmm. the future stuff I could have done without. Yeah. I kind of wish it was just Joker year one. Right. And just focused on the past. And you could have still made that connection another way without yeah. doing the whole future stuff. Yeah. So, it didn't have to. And, and it's weird because like including the future stuff that probably, I mean, it had enough, you could say it had enough material to make it a weekly book, but they probably could have done this in like, two monthly issues or something, you know, or like it could have been two issues or you could have just spread out what was like gone yeah. more in depth on the past. Right. And right. really built up that and done three or four issues. Like mm-hmm. I just thought the the future stuff was unnecessary. Yeah. Um, that yep. said, I think overall I liked this mini event thing, but I did not love it. Yeah. I, I didn't was, need it. You know, it's not like yeah. it didn't change me as a Batman fan. At the end of the day, I'm happy that the next issue goes back to the regular story arc. Scheduled Batman. <laughs> yes. Uh, um, yeah. And that, I'm yeah. I'm really happy this is a weekly thing because now it's done. Now it's done move over on. with. Yeah, we can. It's move not on. three months of me like focusing yeah. on this Joker thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, Batman Superman World's Finest number 24. Uh, this is really we're getting the origin of Magog, uh, is what it, what it gets shoehorned in at the end there. Uh, but there's this whole thing where like he kills Gog, as like Darkseid's gonna steal the anti life equation from him or whatever, and he's like ah you know save the day and like Darkseid's like all right well I have no reason to be here I'm just gonna leave. <laughs> so that was a pretty fun interaction. Uh, the the Darkseid reveal where he's just like laying waste to the heroes was awesome. I mean that's that's the Darkseid you want to see like. He's he's just not even he doesn't even care. Um, I think it was a cooler intro for him. And they kind of leave off where they're like, okay, well, they leave they leave Kingdom Come in a place that we will eventually see in the in the future story, right? Um, so they get that whole they see the whole timeline and everything of like, oh shit, you know, we failed this universe, blah blah blah. Um, I thought it was a good way to wrap it up. Chris, the only thing is I turned to the last page and you can imagine my surprise when I was very upset that the next issue is going to be a team-up story with Joker and Luther. Man, I 
I feel like, dude, is Joker just popping up in every book now? <laughs> I can't escape. <laughs> I, so real quick, I'll say yeah. this issue. I thought the whole time this was a prequel. Yeah. I had heard some theories that it wasn't. And I yep. was kind of confused on where it was in the story arc or timeline. Mm-hmm. But when it's all done, the story arc was really good being a prequel to Kingdom Come um, and everything. So I really yeah. enjoyed it. I so I'm not as like jokered out as you. Yeah, I think I'm like just three fourths of the way that you are. Yeah. My big disappointment here is that we read the annual and I know that Batmite and Mixoplex are coming. Yeah. So I don't want anything else. I don't I want, want Batmite and Mixoplex. I, I want that. Unless it's like Luther and Joker uh, imps, that would be great. If it's not, I think. So <laughs> it's Mark Wade and Dan Mora, and they haven't done wrong yet. So yeah. I have faith in what they're doing. This will definitely lead into that story. Like they're going to be the reason that those characters come to our to this yeah, earth, right? But yeah, it's a disappointment. Like it's you yeah. can't tease Batmite and Mixoplex, and then not give it, to and me. then be like, oh yeah, guess what? Luther and Joker are coming. Yeah. Like, listen, I got Luther and Superman. I got Joker and Batman. Right. And we're kind of wrapping up those stories right now. Don't jump me into a new one. I, yeah, I know. That's the way I just I want. I want Batmite so bad. Yeah, give dude. me Batmite. <laughs> uh, Superman number eleven. Um, just a just a heads up. I think I read the word kryptonite a thousand times, and then yeah, <laughs> you did because I think almost every. I, I thought I was losing my mind because I think almost every bubble, every word bubble said kryptonite, 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 and I was like, I think they want us to talk about kryptonite, Chris. Uh. You know, there's a big fight with the villains and Superman. Um, they release this. They talk about how the different kryptonites affect Superman, which I do think is an interesting thing. <laughs> it's almost treated as like a spectrum, you know, like with the Green Lantern stuff of like how the power applies and what it does to Superman makes him pissed. The cool part is they feed him red kryptonite. They're like, yeah, now you're pissed off. And he's like, well, Luther's like, yeah, but he's also pissed at you guys. <laughs> like, you didn't think that through. He's pissed at the guys that have been poisoning him. I love um, that moment. Yeah, the big reveal that like Luther's mom shows up and is like, "Yeah, you kept me on a fucking island uh, to raise your daughter." Of course, I'm going to be pissed and like, like, you know, exact this plan of revenge. So that was pretty interesting. It feels like a Superman book till its core, you know. Yeah. Um, and then the the reveal that like they shoot all this man made kryptonite gas that can kill humans in the city that was developed by Lex Luthor. He's like, Oh shit. Yeah. I did make that back in the day. <laughs> uh, I thought overall it was a good issue. It's just a lot of kryptonite happening. I, I like that. The last issue ended in the way where like, you're going to join the revenge Lex Luthor squad. And I'm like, yeah. he's not though. Like, no, he's why? not. No, he's I, not. And I, I was thinking at the time, like, I don't like this, like, join our evil gang skit. Like, okay, it yeah. never works. Why are we doing this? And this is my sin of not having faith in Joshua Williamson because I like the way he did it. Like, right. at the end of the speech, she goes, oh, I didn't think you would just join. Right. Red kryptonite, go kill him. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. And then the twists were like, Luther's like, 
oh, you think he's just mad at me, blah, blah, blah. I love the twists and turns in this, how he like flipped the script on the the classic idea of like joining our evil team will rule the world together kind of thing. And the cliffhanger of Luther confessing his past sins to Superman being like, no, they're right. This was my creation. I did this in the past and now I have to atone for it was really awesome. So yeah, I love this issue. I, this book's so good. So yeah, good. no, I'm really enjoying it. Yeah. Um, uh, Green Lantern War Journal five and six. Have you been reading that? I just read five. I have six sitting by my bed, so it'll probably be read tonight. So this seems like they kind of wrap up the first volume of this story. Um, there's a crazy fight between the main villain and they think the Dark Stars are behind the Radiant Death and all this stuff happening. The Dark Stars are like a faction, you know, that are like evil. Um, and basically like we get the reveal that Olgren is the villain. Uh, I don't really know Olgren from like, from like the green lantern history, but it seems like a big bad. Uh, the villain grabs John Stewart as he's trying to get away and pulls him into like another universe or something like that. And then we see like this dark star symbol in the sky. So like they're trying to take over. So John Stewart's like missing. Um, that was a cool ending because it's like Empire Strikes Back sort of ending. Uh, there's a lot of interactions, a lot of sad moments with his mom interacting with his mom again with the you know like the uh, dementia and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and he has a nice moment. He has a crazy moment where he like, you know, Day Sex Machina, like comic book science, just like reassembles and heals uh, the the guy that he's been fighting with. Um, I can't remember his name right now, but. Uh, the guy from the other universe, so he can just heal people now with his powers. <laughs> John Stewart. Uh, but no, it was. I think this this story has been really interesting. I think it's it's keeping like the galactic sci-fi, like some of the complicated lore that Grant Morrison does a good job with, but also it's a it's a John Stewart book. I think I it, it's balancing all that out. Yeah, I think what I've read of the series so far, I've just really loved. And that last issue, when he has to like reconstruct his little sister who I think passed away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And his mo- for his mother that has dementia, like those moments are heart killers, man. Oh like, yeah. They for just, sure. Yeah. They break you down. But yeah, I I'm looking forward to reading six, but I just haven't gotten to it yet. Uh, then I had uh, JL versus Godzilla versus Kong number five. There it is. Um, I thought great. I thought it was a great issue. We got some cool moments. Luther has the Mecha Godzilla suit. <laughs> Godzilla's locked up at the bottom of the ocean after fighting the Kraken, which was crazy. They like you know thwart him, get him locked up, and then we have Raza Ghul who grabs a Titan and drops him in a Lazarus pit. Like that moment was pretty cool. Yeah, there was that Titan skull that he has. He's like just drop it in a Lazarus pit. Yeah, find the giant biggest Lazarus pit you can and let's dump it in there. <laughs> I can't wait to find out what that's about. But Yeah, I'm yeah. so excited to see where that's going. Yeah, the book's great, and I like how they're connecting the dots. Like, Ra's al Ghul with that skull, Luther with Mecha Godzilla makes sense. Uh, mm-hmm. Aquaman trapping Godzilla with the, the chain underwater. Like, Yeah, that was badass. Yeah, I this book's been awesome. Um. The last book I had this week was Godzilla Rivals Mothra versus Mogera. 
I think it was a fun issue with Mecha Godzilla, a big fight between like Jet Jaguar, Mogera, and um, Godzilla. You know, these are one shots. The characters are usually like army style characters or like people that are affected by Godzilla and just big fight scenes, lots of art of all the all those characters fighting. So I just love that shit. Um, you know, I think IDW is doing some fun stuff with Godzilla. Very cool. And that's all I had this week. All right. Some books from last week. So I read Action Comics 1062, which you talked about last week. Yep. I really liked it. And uh, I, I laughed hysterically when Joker, Joker showed up because of your reaction on last week's episode. Uh-huh. Um, but a good show or a good yeah, comic. Um, we're getting a little bit political here, Mike, with Biden's Titans versus AOC, number one. Oh, shit. Uh, I, I love the series. It, it really pokes fun at everybody in it and uh, has since it was originally Trump's Titans back in the day. But yeah, it's... Dude, Elon Musk uses neur- Neuralink to control AOC, make her his <laughs> wife. The Biden's Titans have to come in. And then... <laughs> it's amazing. Bernie Sanders comes from the future, but he's young because in 2030 the singularity happens and people live forever and he oh my reverse God. ages. Wait, so what? they go back in the past to get young AOC to come to the present to save the present AOC. It's fucking crazy comic shit. That's amazing. With like political humor thrown in. And then when it's all said and done, because we've unlocked uh time travel in this now. Uh, they tease that the next issue is Biden's Titans is going to go back in time to fight Trump's Titans. So, oh hell yeah, let's go, dude! I'll say, no matter where you are in the political spectrum, this is a fun book. It pokes fun at everybody. If you don't have humor about yourself, you're probably not going to like it. But I I think it's it's a blast. It sounds awesome. (laughs) Yeah, and then throughout it, like they're just they're poking fun at everything. Like they're poking fun at biden for like his little slip-ups they're poking fun at yeah uh greta thunberg for like her shit you know they're yeah. Uh, yeah nobody's safe wesley dodds the sandman number five uh really enjoyed the issue it's it's wesley dealing with the the quote-unquote murder from last issue where somebody died and having to deal with like government agents and everything and all the while, like we find out that this person, this general for the government was behind everything. And it's Wesley's uh, journey to basically get him to confess throughout it. So it's a really great mm-hmm. issue. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, Blade number eight was last nice. week. And <laughs> it's Blade goes to hell. So Blade has to transport himself to hell. He finds the guy he fought earlier in the series. He brings him back in order to fight this demon that's taken over. And uh, I mean, that's basically it, but it's just a, a, so much fun along the way. Blade's been a great book. Everybody should be reading it. Thunderbolts number three, which is the hive mind book for the Thunderbolts. Mike, are are you familiar with the American Kaiju? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So Bucky and crew go to Asia, meet mm-hmm. up with Shang-Chi, Shang-Chi, okay. whatever we're calling yeah. him now. 
and are going to try to recruit both U.S. Agent and the American Kaiju as part of their team. Yeah. Well, at the end of the day, they recruit them both. But as you can imagine, Mike, along the way, things don't go right. Somebody ticks off the American Kaiju. He becomes the giant Kaiju. Nice. And starts destroying everything. So Winter Soldier finds pin particles or some shit and becomes giant and has to fight oh my God. this giant uh, Kaiju. That's amazing. So that's basically the issue. I and love it. I, it's a blast, man. Yeah, that sounds awesome. <laughs> I love the idea of the American Kaiju. Yeah, um, I think that's I yeah that's a great that's a great character and the idea that he's coming back for future issues is just so that's really so cool. Fun. Beware the Planet of the Apes number two. Nice. Uh, one of the things I really love about this book, since I just read the Adventures of the Planet of the Apes book, is they literally take panels from that book and use them as part of the story, because they're taking from not as a prequel to Planet of the Apes, but they're taking elements from. Uh, the second movie as well, beneath the Planet of the Apes. That's cool. And using it. So we get this new human civilization that's in the Forbidden Zone. They're not quite mutated, but they are mutated at the same time. And I'll be interested to see how they wrap it up because the characters in this on the ape side are in the original movies. And they're, they don't have familiarity with humans in those movies. So I think there's going to be a mind wipe happening somewhere along the way. Mm. But put that aside... These humans find them and bring them in, try to show them like not all humans are bad, blah, blah. They're not like the the humans from the second movie. But there's also this civilization of gorillas that live kind of next door. And they're known as being like very basically racist, like they're gorillas and they hate chimpanzees. Mm. So the little chimpanzee they're trying to find has been taken by these gorillas. And now they have to go to that civilization and find them. Uh, I said this was the first issue, but there, there's some continuity errors along the way. But if you kind of throw that to the side and just read the book as is, I think it's a good book so far. Two issues in. And then we'll get to this week's stuff. So I read the Deviant number four and really good issue ends with a huge cliffhanger in which they hint that the league character we've been following the whole time isn't just writing a comic book about the serial killer, but maybe the copycat um, mm. that's been going around in the present. So I got to say with this issue, I thought that Tinian and previous issues was kind of beating you over the head with certain things, but this issue showed me why he's so great at horror comics. So, I think people, more people should be paying attention to Deviant. Uh, and then Cobra Commander number two was just another book I really liked. It's 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 Cobra's rise to being the big villain. Like, nice. and I don't really know what else to say about it other than he's like going across America and like <laughs> killing people along the way. Nice. Um, yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy annual number one, uh, Lansing and Kelly. This is the finale to Groot Fall. So if you're reading mm. Guardians, this is an essential book. We get the wrap up. They bring all the Guardians from the last volume back. And we kind of see what Groot Fall was all about. 
And I'll say at the end of the day, I thought this run was okay, but I did like the conclusion a lot. Like it really did bring everything together and give these great moments throughout. And we get a pretty big death in this as well that I don't see anybody talking about. So Mm, interesting. uh, The sad part is, is that as I read in the back page, uh, the hive mind are done with guardians after this. Okay. Um, this is their last issue. So be interested to see what's next for the guardians, but I thought this run was, was good. Uh, if, okay to good, but this issue in particular, I really enjoyed. Yeah. It started to lose me towards the end there. <laughs> yeah. Well, sure. and I remember the last issue you really talked about was when they got Drax's soul back for his human. Yeah. That was, where I was like, okay, that was getting, <laughs> that's a huge part of this issue, man. Oh, okay. And I loved it. So, okay. Cool. But that is like deep Marvel shit. So I understand yeah. why people weren't too fond of it. Yep. I hate Fairyland number 11. Um, a lot of Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift jokes in this. <laughs> That's <lot>. funny. <laughs> All right. That's and funny. it's even to the point where so Claudia is back on actual Earth and she dies like four times while she's there. The final time is she gets sucked into the engine of Trav. They, they don't call them that, but that's who it is. They get sucked into the engine of Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift's jet. And the whole thing leads up to this fart joke where Taylor Swift farts in Travis Kelsey's face. And Amazing. A, it's hilarious because fart yeah, jokes are great. Yeah, it's hilarious. But B, Claudia's not dead. I like that. Scotty Young is really poking fun at himself in this because he's doing like very childish jokes and even says at the end, like, and only a hack would uh, reveal that she's alive at the end, just to reveal that she's alive at the end. Uh, Yeah, it's a fun book. A real quick Daredevil Black Armor number four, because I haven't talked about the series. This is the last issue. If you're a Daredevil fan, I think it's a really cool, fun book digs back into Matt Murdock's past and in all this, it's just a lot of fun. And then ultimate Spider-Man number two, where we see Peter out as Spider-Man, but he's got this weird black suit and it's not black suit Spider-Man. It's literally just a black suit Mm -hmm. that he's running around in. He has to reveal his identity to his kid. And this issue, he fights his first super villain who ends up being the shocker. Mm. Um, and then we see more of J. Joan Jameson and uh, Ben Parker and what they're doing uh, with everything. So nice. Ultimate Spider-Man 2 is really good. Yeah, I like the first issue. Yeah. So, Mike, after that hefty pile I read this week, that is everything I read. Uh, where can people find you on the internet? You can find me at Fortress Ricker on Twitter. Where can they find you and or the show? You can find me at Fortress Chris on Twitter or any other social media network you can think of. And you can find the show at Fortress Comics underscore on Twitter, also at FortressComicNews.com. Remember, if you want to support the show, like, subscribe, share, comment down below on the YouTube version, five-star reviews on the podcast version, and Patreon.com slash Fortress Comics. And if you want to support me, it's ChrisComicsCorner.substack.com. Thank you all so much for watching and or listening this week, and we will see you all here next week. 